Hello and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. Uh, I am here with Major Overall. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, former one championship top contender, and longtime head coach, my brother from another more ethnic mother. What's up, dude? How are you, man? Good, brother. How are you doing? Good. I was just saying that the last time we did a podcast together was like literally a week, the week that we started to go through Circuit Breaker here. So yeah. it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while, huh? And we're here with our beer. Beer of the week. We got some cigars. Dude, I'm ready to fire this thing up. I haven't smoked a cigar in a year and a half, probably, something like that. You ready? All right. Let's burn this thing, dude. Do you take this thing off? I don't know. I think so. I'm going to do it. Yeah, boy. You know what? I'm going to keep it so I have a place to hold it. All right. Well, there you got mine fired up. Let's do it. So how you been, dude? It's been a long time coming. Haven't podcasted in a while. You're about to open up a new gym. Tell me about it. What do you, what's your new gym called? Uh, Matrix. Mm. As in like the Matrix, you know? Yeah. So, <clears throat> that'd be a cool name. Like, I, at first I was going to go with like SG Top Team. Yeah, I saw that when Tiffany fought. Yeah, yeah. I saw that it was going to be SG Top Team. Yeah. A little bit, I don't know, I felt like it was just too generic and didn't have enough soul in it. So, I wanted to go with something that was like less of an inside joke like Team Highlight Reel, you know? But a little bit more of a uh, something that people could identify with, or, or you know, like, but still have some some meaning to it, I guess. So. And you open up like tomorrow or something like that, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you keep saying you guess, dude. Are you opening or are you not opening? Uh, yeah, you yeah, seem yeah. to not know. Opening, opening, but uh, sort of, sort of a soft launch. Yeah. Yeah, sort of a soft launch. Jake, so. can you do me a favor? Crack that window, or we're gonna smoke this motherfucker up quick. Mm-hmm. Cigars are. So uh, you're, what, you're going to teach everything? You're going to run the whole curriculum now? You and me, man, we're like the only coaches in Singapore that actually teach multiple disciplines, run the whole program, don't have a bunch of other coaches sort of, yeah. you know, sticking their toes in it for better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple of, a couple of my students run a class here and there just to get them a little bit of experience. But for the most part, I kind of like having control of the whole program. Where's your place at, your new place? Harkey. Oh, right. Nice. Clark Keaton. That's a good place. But you got, you told me you have something like 7 a.m. going on tomorrow, right? Yeah, 7.30. That's rough, dude. That's I rough. Know, man, that's, I guess that's that area, though, you know? You're going to get, you're in town, people probably come to yeah. class before. If you're there, you have to do them yeah. early like that because yeah. people are doing it before work. Yep. Nice thing is I'm in like a residential area, mm-hmm. so nobody's going in that early, right, before work. Everybody's coming, coming in after work. Right. And I want to say congrats because uh, you're also a new father. How's father like treating you, dude? Yeah, it's pretty cool. You enjoying it? Yeah. Was it, is it like, in what ways is it kind of what you expected and in what ways is it surprised you? Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess no one tells you stuff like when you, when you, there's no like, I mean, I read books and stuff, but no one tells you like the babies come out looking like aliens. Like, <laughs> that surprised you? Are you, yeah. were you like, is this going to look like this or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, all right, like, okay. <laughs> like, but I mean that's it's like it's really temporary. It's only like for for a couple a couple hours. They, their heads all like parking cone looking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's good. It's suiting you. I see you always posting. You're already in like dad mode, dude. You're yeah, already yeah. in like dad mode. You're posting all the videos of her like saying watching MMA and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting her getting her integrated early. Yeah. Nice man. Yeah, Tiff Tiff and Kaishan and some of those guys have been coming to train. Uh, a stronghold since you've been trying to open up the new gym and everything. 
it's pretty nice having them come in and get to train with all the other. I had this one kid that came in. Uh, you know, he didn't really know who she was. And then, like, I was like, oh, go roll with her. And no, he hadn't seen her before, but he trained for it. And he's like, who's that? And I was like, oh, that's, that's Tiffany Teal. You know, she's one of the top females in the world. He was like, what? And he said this one thing. It was funny because uh, they did a little roll. And, you know, Tiffany's letting him work. He's like a 15, 16-year-old kid. Hmm. And so she's letting him, like, mount her and do some stuff to her. And he literally goes, I was like, oh, yeah, that's Tiffany Teal. She's like a top Singaporean MMA fighter, one of the top globally ranked women in the world. And he goes, wow, really? And she let me win? And I was like, yeah, dude, like nobody here is trying to like bro out and goon you. Like he's literally like a 16 year old Indian boy who only started training for a couple weeks. Okay. And he was just incredibly fascinated that like she was helpful and like fun to train with. And he had this expectation, I think, that she was just going to go in and crush him. And I was like, dude, nah, it's like most of these people are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for new people. I think that's kind of like we're all there, you know. Where do you draw the line? I always have this. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. And I think between probably somewhere around three-stripe white belt to four-stripe white belt is where I expect my upper belts to help them, not smash them, right? Not. I always tell my, like, if my blue belts or my purple belts are rolling with, like, a two-one-stripe white belt, I tell them, get your taps. Don't force the taps. If you can't tap out a one- or a two-stripe white belt smoothly, then don't do it, right? But everybody should get their taps. You know, you tap them three or four times, then you let them work a little bit. You get your reps in, mm-hmm. and then you teach them. You help them. And then, but I think once they get around three, four stripes, then they have to start dealing with the struggle and start accepting the fact that they're going to get pushed more and tapped more, and it's going to be more of a struggle, not as much uh, babying, if you, for lack of a better word. or You know what I mean? I pretty much go nuts on... Day one. <laughs> I pretty much go nuts on day one. When they get their blue belt, probably? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you, you don't get any freebies once you get the yeah, blue belt. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'll still sometimes try new stuff out on the blue belts are like my testing grounds you know so i'll try a lot of stuff out on them sometimes i like um, but you're, you're students like yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about your like what do you think about like your blue belts like smashing a two what two stripe blue, white but will you say something to them or will it depends on what the what the drill is it depends on what the like rolling or sparring or something just regular rolling yeah just like start from the knee slap them dap and roll yeah and if you see them like you know it's not necessarily smooth and then you see like maybe the white belt's a little bit dejected and they're kind of being rough with them will you say something or are you kind of like hey this is this is the thing i guess it depends man like some sometimes you can do that but like uh another thing that you can do too is like you can because if you're able to control the role you can you can make it to where you can both get something out of it so like for example like i'll say uh maybe try to pass his guard let him escape pass it again let him escape, pass it again. Yeah. And then you're getting reps on passing, and this and guy's getting reps on escapes. Like, so you're both getting something out of the roll. It's beneficial. You're still smashing him. You're, you're tearing through his guard like relentlessly, you know, but at least you're getting something out, and he's getting something out. That's also my philosophy for, like, uh, letting, letting students pass my guard or, mm-hmm. or like, uh, even, you know, if I get the high white belts or even the early blue belts rolling with, like, the purples or the browns or something, I'm like, hey, you can let them pass here. If you can't recover your guard... Mm-hmm. When a blue belt, like a one-stripe or a no-stripe blue belt passes your guard, then you need to, like, if you can't recover your guard, then you should probably be working that shit anyway. So, like, you know, I'm one of those old-school people that thinks, I don't know if it's old-school or not, but, like, everybody needs to work every aspect of it. Like, let them take your back sometime. Work your back defense, right? Because if you don't do it, then they're never going to get to work their back defense unless they're rolling with me or unless they're rolling with, like, the upper belts or something like that. Yeah, sometimes I'll do that, too. Like, maybe I'll... I'm rolling with someone like I'll let them get to a dominant position first and then I'll work out and tap them and then like maybe the next restart it'll be the same thing I'll let them work into a dominant position and then take it away yeah, yeah. 
what's your what's your space like at your new gym? Like you have, what was it like? You have one floor, big mat, like yeah, one wall floor, mats. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, wall mats and uh, cage. You have cage? Well, not a cage, but cage walls. Oh, nice. So it's it's a perfect like rectangle. So the entire perimeter is like safe and ready to do all work MMA or or just like. Bohara favela jiu-jitsu, you know? Yeah. Without fucking yourself up, smashing your head against a kettlebell or something. You know? But even the cage, though, that thing's like a meat grinder. I, I wish we had... Yeah. That's like the biggest problem with my gym is we don't have walls mm. or we don't have a cage to work around. Mm. But then also, like, the cage is a little bit of a meat grinder. You get your face shoved up against that and, yeah. you know, people get all rashed up and it can cut you, man. It can cut you, like, around your eyes. It can cut your ears, your mouth. Yeah, those are pretty... It can be, it can be pretty rough. Um, I did make the effort to buy, like, the nicer cage. So it's... A little bit less shitty on the on the skin, but for the average person, I think I mean I wouldn't even drill on it myself. Yeah, you, you, you just put your students to do that. Fuck that, we're too no, old. No, no, we're, we're too old for that shit. For the meat grinder, drill on the wall. You drill on the wall. But yeah. if you're doing like live live training, then yeah, it's dude. good to get that reminder. Of like, oh yeah, I don't want my back against the cage. This this is like painful. I remember <laughs> the first time I fought yeah. in a cage. You don't really think because I didn't train in one. Yeah. But then when you first get put against one, like when you're wall walking or when you're pushing people up against the face, like you're mm. going in on a double leg and your forehead's like going through the cage and you're trying to pick them up and it's just like literally like a cheese grater on your face. Yeah. What, the other side of that though, when you have matted walls, there's no give. There's not very much give. You get some big guy driving a double leg and then his shoulder jams into you and there's just no give from behind. It goes all through the front, right? So that's that's probably where the cage is probably a little bit easier on you because it flexes and it takes a lot of that off. You can even kind of bounce off of it and stuff as well. Like when you fly into it, because it's like it serves as somewhat of a springboard when, you, yeah. when you're shooting yourself off of it, yeah. which is always interesting. It's always interesting to think about the different, like the third object, whether it's a rope or whether it's a cage or whether it's yeah. a wall mat or something like that. So that. Like my gym is so open. I was training with, with Sean today. You know Sean? He's mm -hmm. a one of my brown belts a four strike brown belt he's one of the best in Singapore for sure he's such a beast now dude mm. he's been training like five six days a week he's, his game is just so good he's probably better than me now he's so fucking good uh, but he's only just started doing MMA mm. he keeps and you know our gym is long and there's not any barrier that you can go up through so he's asking me questions about like how to how to take someone down how to push forward and take them down I'm like if you don't have a barrier behind you it's really hard because mm. you can just back up infinitely yeah right and that's such a which is interesting, too, because if you think about a street fight, getting a double leg on somebody, if they're not moving forward on you, like in a street fight, if they can back up, is really, really hard. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I was talking to him about it today, and, like, if you're in a street fight and you're a jiu-jitsu guy, right, and the person that you're trying to fight is just backing up and punching you, good luck getting a double leg on them if they know anything because they can just infinitely move back or circle back. So you really need to, like, move backwards, suck them in, draw them in so you can duck under and hit some kind of takedown or something because... I guess if he's running away, you don't need to do a double leg, though. I'm not saying run away. I'm saying, like, you know, step back, punch, 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 step back, punch, punch, punch. Yeah. I don't know. This is an unrealistic scenario. It's just something that popped up in my head. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Like, if you're in the middle of a cornfield or something, right? <laughs> like a big open space. One of those cornfield fights. Yeah, yeah. If you're from the Midwest, you probably got some of those, man. That oh, probably yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. I sound got lighter for me, dude. Yeah. My cigar's going on. I'm already feeling this cigar, man. Yeah. I have not had nicotine. I think I like the idea of cigars. <laughs> yeah. You've already stopped, bro. I You've already like stopped. It looks cool, like, in the movies, you know? you like, sitting there, a bunch of guys smoking cigars. But... Dude, the only reason I'm still going is because I feel like I look cooler. Yeah. It's all about, yeah. Yeah. But really, I probably just look like a douche. This <laughs> <laughs> may be the story of my life. Probably smoking them backwards and don't even... So I was gonna sh I was gonna shout I was gonna shout you out and uh, 
do something that I'm sure you and every fighter loves and throw up one of your highlights because for the people that don't know, uh, Major Major used to be one of the top contenders in one championship. And now he's shifted to coaching because he's getting a little old, bro. You're getting a little old, just a little bit. Yeah, getting up there. You still you still got some explosiveness in you, but you're getting a little up there. I don't know, man. Can we show your fight highlights without someone talking shit or getting anything pulled? Probably. Probably, right? Yeah. So, and they're on YouTube already, right? Some of them. Yeah. We can definitely do a quick one. Pull up your your the Bruno Pucci highlights, probably the best one, right? My I soccer guess, yeah, kid. Probably. Yeah, dude, it's definitely mm-hmm. the best one. I was there. And he was my coach at the time, so I, it was before I knew you. <laughs> so I was there with Stephen Langdown. He was like he was behind me in one of these photos mm. right there with your fucking hair. Anyway, back when I had a little bit of hair on my head. Uh, but yeah, so you fought Bruno Pucci, who's an evolved fighter. He's the husband of Angela Lee. So if you don't know who he is, you probably know who she is. As she's a little bit more famous than he is. Um, but you fought him in, in one championship and kicked his head into the bleachers. One of the best knockouts, I think, in, in one history. Because it's so dynamic. And they don't really, they don't allow soccer kicks anymore, right? Yeah, they, they kind of pretend like it never happened. Like, like soccer kicks never happened. Like that, that yeah, they don't really show it. Because Steven has a soccer kick knockout, too, when I was cornering him. Yeah. And they never show it. No, they won't. If you, if you notice, like, that whole uh, brand, like, uh, rebranding of one FC to one championship... They're no longer fighters. They're athletes. It's you know, it's not a cage. It's a circle. Um, soccer kicks never existed, you know. So, <laughs> which is a bummer because, yeah. you know, it's like a bit like watching those old UFC or those old Pride fights. Like, there's yeah. something novel about that. Yeah. And in the old school fans love that shit. Yeah. Right. Like if you throw up those old Pride fights when people could stomp each other. Yeah. Like we can all objectively probably think that okay, stomping's probably not the most, the best technique. Well, I mean, it's effective, mm. but like visually, if you're watching it and you just see somebody grab the rope and like Vanderlei Silva <laughs> style, just stomp someone's face in, it's probably not the best thing, but you still like being able to go back and watch those old fights. Ooh, I can see Jake's pulled it up already. But as a fight nerd though, wouldn't, wouldn't you kind of want to see somebody be able to come up with something that could stop a stomp? Dude, you like, you like Lethway. You like headbutting and shit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're clearly like a martial arts purist. I want answers to the, to the hardest questions, you know? Yeah, I just can't get beyond the fact of people like headbutting pads and shit. And training like one, two, pop. Yeah. I just still can't. It's ridiculous. Even though it's for sure effective, especially if you're in the clinch or something like that. Right, you got it there, Jake? Yeah, I got it. Okay, let's take I think we can definitely throw like 8 to tw- 10 seconds of it on just to finish there, and it shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Here so you go. let's see. God, look how thin you were, dude. No, no disrespect, because I'm not what I once was either, but is a, a shift left hook, right, that dropped him and then a soccer kick or something like that? Right before I could afford food. Boom, there it is. And step over. Pow! Oh, God. <laughs> oh, stiff as a board. How many hits does that have? What's it at? 54,000. 54K. And when was it posted? What year was that? 2014, I think, something like that. How old were you there? Yeah, May, May 2014. 30-something? Early 30s? Yeah. Wow, man. That's crazy. Yeah, back when... Which is crazy, right? I mean, you just kind of threw the legs by, pat like threw the guard by, and stepped through and just, boom, stiff instantly. Yeah, actually, it was... Um, the way I worked it in training was sort of as a guard pass. I mean, it's progressive indirect. I was like, of course, like if you. That's the best out, scenario for the yeah. for the soccer kick. Yeah, right? I was just trying to pass the guard. Like, Toriando step, boom, kick. Yeah, I just I just thought I'd modify where I instead of stepping over the leg, I'd go a little bit further. 
and go over the go over the shoulder. Did you train it, or was it just oh, something yeah. that happened in the fight? No, yeah, I trained it. I mean, you definitely have to train. I mean, it's such a dominant move. You have to train it right, and you have to train to defend it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those those kind of things are. I do kind of part of me is a purist and still wishes you could do shit like that because it's so effective, and it's not. And you can develop training methods to defend against it, right? It's not like it's something that you can't defend against. I don't know. It seemed like the best defense was changing the rules. Yeah, well, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how many were there? How many knockouts were there by soccer kick, do you think, even when it was illegal? I could think of like five. Steven got one. You got one. Zorro got one. Um, there may, there, oh, uh, Andre Orlovsky got one too, Timothy right? Had, had a couple. Timothy had a couple. Yeah, like three. He, he soccer kicked Rob Lucida. He soccer kicked Foliong. He soccer kicked some Japanese dude. I think that's why they canceled it. Because <laughs> he, he was like soccer kicking people. You know how people like punch somebody when they're out? Yeah. He was like throwing repeated soccer kicks to like unconscious bodies. Yeah. And like old ass Yuji trying to like run across the ring and stop him. Like, <laughs> yeah. like he's getting like three or four in before he can get there. You know? And then do you remember when they had the modified rule where it was like they had to get the referee's permission oh, to throw that. it? Yeah. And then... I think that was the Tim Sylvia Arlovsky fight. Yeah. And like he apparently hadn't got permission from the ref to do it and then he threw it and then they DQ'd him or something. Like, like what? You have to get permission from the ref? Because it happened so fast. Like the opportunity was, the, w- the window of opportunity is small, right? Yeah, you just yeah, gotta yeah. go. You can't be like, am I good? <laughs> and then can I punt him in the head now? Yeah, okay, go. I think, uh, yeah, that was a goofy rule. It doesn't, my that brain doesn't work like that ever. I would never be able to do anything if, if I have to wait for the ref's permission. Because the window of opportunity is so small, like you just have to go the second you see it. If you wait, like even even from like uh, my brain doesn't work that slow when I'm fighting. Like I, how do you mean? I was I was thinking like oh maybe I'll throw the kick and then I'm looking in the air. My foot's already in the air, like so. Yeah, because fighting to, is to, all it's so reactionary. I yeah, mean, to see you, it to have a relay to have to relay that back and forth between someone's reaction time, like they see the opportunity, the referee sees the opportunity, and then they say it, and then you have to like uh, process that. And then tell your body to do. That's just not how fighting works. You, yeah. you don't tell your body what to do all the time. Plus, it, it breaks the flow state. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're 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 in such a zone. You're so locked in and focused on the action that's happening. If you have to be like, hey, can can I do this? Like, they could have already gotten up. They could have already done whatever. Right. Just in that time that you would have to get the clear, all go from the referee. The situation will have changed. And yeah, that was one of the dumbest rule changes ever. And it literally lasted like one event. And then they were like, okay, this is a yeah. I thought under those rules. I was like, what? Oh, you yeah. thought of that rule too? Yeah, I was like, and then the, when they called me back for this fight, they are like, all right, we changed that soccer kick rule. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, this is much better now. Like, this is way better. I would rather, I mean, either have it or don't. You yeah, know? have but it that, or don't. I get, I get where they're coming from with it because they didn't want the situation where you get guys kicking people while they're unconscious three, four times in the head. Yeah, that's but, brutal. Yeah, that, so they had, also they, the referee probably should step in there before the third and the fourth one. You try like, to, but you're on the other side of the cage. Sometimes you yeah, hit a guy, I mean, they it happens. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be able to keep pace with some 25-year-old, like, (laughs) fast-twitch Russian monster, right? Knocking people across the ring. And Yuji can be a little slow to step in there sometimes, too. Yeah. He's one of those guys that will let you just get a pretty big beat down before he steps in there. I always felt he did a good job with my fights, but I... I um, I mean, I'm sure he's done a bunch bunch of good jobs, but I've seen some where he'll let it go a little bit longer than a lot of referees. Yeah, there's no best referee. There's the least worst, I guess. That's, well, Mario Yamasaki's probably up there. <laughs> you, you, you only remember when they mess up, you know? I just saw a thing that says apparently Mario Yamasaki's coming back. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's coming back. More blood. Yeah. More blood. 
Speaking of uh, Timothy, you see he's fighting Christian now. That's the next Such fight. Such a banger of a fight, man. That's a banger of a fight. Yeah. Dude, if Christian gets through Timothy, then nobody can talk shit about that kid anymore. If he if he goes and he beats Daggy and he beats Timothy back-to-back, and Shinya, but that fight's whatever. Like, Shinya's a little over the hill and all that kind of thing. But if he beats those three guys back-to-back, that's legit. They don't have Eddie Alvarez if, if Eddie wins, so. I, I think this is, it becomes a striker versus grappling. I don't know if... if if Timothy can deal with his with his grappling, everybody ha- that fights Christian has to deal with the blitz. He comes like a bat out of hell in the first couple rounds. Like when um, when Martin Nguyen beat him, mm-hmm. he was able to survive early, drag the fight out, and then once Christian kind of settles in, people can start to hit him, and the flow of the fight allows more opportunities for like technique to come. But the f- dude, the first one or two rounds. He's in ridiculously good shape. He's super strong. His grappling is really good, and he comes at you like a bat out of hell. I think most of his wins are like first round finishes. Yeah, but you get like he he grinded out Daggy pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Because he, he survived that on that initial onslaught. But Daggy's the same way. Daggy's the same yeah, way. Finishes everybody fast, and yeah. then if you can drag him out, people stand more of a chance. He he uh, took Keanu into deep waters. Yeah. And then had pretty good success there. Um, it's been a few fights where he's done that. I think that there was another fight where I think he had to sort of ride. Well, even even in the last fight, Ioki? yeah, yeah, for sure, he was threatened early on. Yeah. Even his last fight, uh, when he fought, who was it after he fought Daggy? The last one. Can you do me a favor, Jake, and look up Christian's record? Because um, he got dropped. He he went straight forward, blitzed him in the first ten seconds, and got dropped, mm-hmm. and then uh, was able to come back. This is a Japanese guy. It was his last fight. I can't remember what the guy's name was, but he got dropped early. I don't he, think anyone is question, questioning whether or not Christian's legit. That kid's legit, man. A lot of the Singaporeans talk shit about him for the fake Singaporean shit. Well, he can talk about that, but... But, I mean, re- but he's, he's fucking good. Yeah, he's good. He's yeah. really, really good. You got it there? Can you yeah, put it on the main? Oh, that kid. Oh, the pictures, yeah. That's who it was. So let's look at his record. Can you... Let's take a look, because it's all been in one, right? All of his pro fights yeah, have been in yeah. one. So go down to the beginning there. So you got a common common uh, opponent there in Kerry Bulos. Yeah. And then uh, let's keep going up here. Okay, Martin win. Man, fighting Martin it, with six fights is pretty tough, hey? Martin was young back then, too, though. Yeah, that's true. It was before he was champ. Keanu. He was like skinny Martin with, without any tattoos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was still, I think he was still training at the Taekwondo gym back then. And then he fought Boku, Yokota, Martin again. Why does Martin not have a Wikipedia page? What the fuck is that? <laughs> he used Wikipedia? Yeah, dude. And then, okay, Edward Kelly... Edward Kelly again. Ugh, don't need to fight him twice. Then, okay, then Daggy, or Aoki, Daggy, and Yuri. Tapology is better because you can see the person's record at the time you fought them. So you can really see, like... Mm. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. I still think it's weird that Martin doesn't have a Wikipedia. Right? All these other guys yeah. have and he doesn't have. That's weird. But anyway, so that's a that's a sick fight. Can you pull up that fight card, Jake? Because that's, this is the best one card since the one that we live-streamed when, but it's, Tif- when it's, Tiffany fought. But it's not one one card, though. No, no, the the one where uh, where uh, Christian's fighting, Eddie Alvarez is fighting on that. That, that card no, is stacked. It's not a card. Eh? It's they're like one week apart. Oh, really? It's like T one on TNT one, and one on TNT two, then one on TNT three. It's like one week, one week, one week. Oh, they staggering it. So they I think put it all in one poster and they mind yeah, fucked yeah, me. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. all one event. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And I was like, this <sighs> you is son of a bitch. You got me, Chachri. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. God damn, still, that's a fucking sick fight, dude. Yeah, that's a, that's a sweet Nastukin fight. Nastukin and Christian Lee, man, that's a good that's one. That's the best one, I think. Yeah. Out of a lot. And Eddie Alvarez is fighting, um, do you remember who he's fighting? Uh, 
Yeah, no problem. Oh man, I thought that was one one fight. Oh, Nongla's fighting again. Big Dash. Oh yeah, he's fighting Angla, right? Big yeah. Dash is fighting. Okay. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. I want to see Angla get back in there. Man, I missed the chance to get that Dorito guy on the podcast. That kind yeah. of bummed me out. Yeah. I didn't think he'd win. <laughs> I didn't think he'd win. And I was like, because his management re- reached out about sponsorships and stuff. And then I sent him a message back and I was like, well, I'll give you some money if you want to come on the podcast and we'll chat. And then I just, I was like kind of broke at the time. I didn't end up following through. And then he ended up winning on first round. I was like, fuck. <laughs> Should have just done it, man. Yeah. It wasn't that much money, but. And then I had, and then I was just having the thoughts about, am I going to start paying people to come on the podcast? Like, I don't know if that's a, a route I want to go down. Right. But still, in retrospect, I wish I'd done it. You find it there? I'm trying to find his opponent, and it's uh, it's not coming up. Sorry, give me a sec. You can't find the card. The no, I guess it's two cards. So, so he's got um, he said there's a picture. Yeah, that's all I saw. <laughs> Does anybody know who that man is? Oh, Mighty Mouse. Is that Mighty Mouse? Yeah, so Mighty Mouse is fighting. fighting Morales. Morales. Oh, that's the main event. That's yeah. that's fucking good, man. I mean, that's the best. Morales? That's the best. F- the bantamweight, I guess. Best it's, bantamweight it's fight, but it, bantamweight in one, right? One thirty-five, is it? Because yeah, they go up. Uh, up they're fighting at 135, but so it's considered flyweight because. But everybody listening to this probably like it's banned. 135, right? Yeah, but it's it's their flyweight division, but yeah. it's 135 pounds, and uh, but that's the best 135 pound fight you can make outside of the UFC or Bellator. It's the best fight, probably the best fight out there. Period, for 135. That's not like a UFC main event or a championship fight. But Marais is pretty old. I mean, he's, he's got to be almost 40, late 30s, right? He's been in one for he's eight younger, years. He's Is he? I think so. I think he might be early 30s. Man, yeah, of course. Like, one is weird. It's stacked. It's like a pyramid. They're, they're stacked at the bottom. I mean, like, the, the talent. Like, the lower the weight class, the, the more talent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. with the Thai fighters and the Asian fighters, right? I mean, I, that, those, they don't count. Like, I'm talking about guys that can defend takedowns here. Yeah, right. yeah. Of course, it's, it's a few and far between. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not talking about like Muay Thai. Um, <clears throat> no, but if you look at like the but heavyweight the Muay Thai one in kickboxing, Muay Thai is fucking good. No, it's good. Yeah. It's so good. You don't get like the can fest that you sometimes get with the MMA. Yeah. Like sometimes the MMA fights are just ridiculous. Like there's such big mismatches. Outside of the top, outside it's, it's of like the top a lot five. Better, oh, way better for yeah. sure. I would but say probably still... at least eighty percent are good good matchups. Yeah, oh, it's way better. The mismatches you see are at the lower. Yeah, but to be fair, like when you go that low of a level, it's kind of hard to make fair matches. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. But that's why if you go to any regional MMA fight, it's almost all finishes because the, yeah. the talent level is so different that it's really difficult to actually book competitive fights. Yeah, but one's way better than it used to. But still, periodically, you know, with Stamp, she gets a lot of those fucking hand me outs. You know, cause the, and yeah. then uh, there's there's still a few, a few yeah. of the ones that one's trying to push, which, to be fair, Stamps had, like, four MMA fights, so you don't want to give her, like, some crazy opponent. But when Stamp Fairtex is arm-barring people, you know, like, all right, <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what are we doing, man? But the, yeah, the one's pretty good, man. Last, that, what, Tiffany's fight card, that shit was great. Oh yeah, that was, that was one of the best fight cards of the year. Period. Yeah, yeah. We we, we, we live streamed it. We called it fight card of the year. We said it was the best card on the drunk on the drunken Christmas show. Yeah, we we live streamed it. It was actually that show did really well too. Like that got one of the best views, considering what it was. Considering it was one and there wasn't like a Conor McGregor or a Khabib name attached to it. That episode did pretty well. Because you're all 
your fan base is probably entirely hardcore anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. almost exclusively. We don't yeah. <laughs> or like super creepy Middle Eastern dudes who are creeping on my wife from the Khabib video, <laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Dude, if you go through the comments on that video, oh man, it can make you kind of sad and kind of, it's, it's hilariously sad. Yeah. <laughs> I still get, one of the recent ones was like, oh, this, view, this video would have gotten a lot more views if you guys were both naked or some shit like that. And I'm like, well, you're, you're not wrong. But yeah. also, don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you think about the the Conor Poirier fight? Yeah, it was a good fight. I, I feel like Conor is just... I'm so good, yeah. I think Conor uh, sort of failed to adapt and adjust. And I think the sport's kind of evolving around him. Yeah, do you think the sport kind of moved on him when he was doing the boxing and the Yeah, it seems nonsense? like it. Seems like it. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of feel like a lot of people are not giving him enough credit because I still thought he won the first round, which it's five-round fight, so it doesn't mean a whole lot. But yeah. he still looked good. He just wasn't ready for the leg kicks. His kicking – and this was the weird thing, right? Because you watch the first Poirier fight. Mm -hmm. Within the first 30 seconds of the fight, he throws a hook kick. He throws a wheel kick. He throws a snap kick. He's using, like, long-range Taekwondo kicks to kind of suck him into his boxing range, mm -hmm. right? Because he's, he's basically just sending an axe mm -hmm. with his leg out like this. And then, and then Poirier has to kind of get through that, which brings him into the boxing range. And then you watch this fight, and Conor wasn't kicking at all, except he threw, like, two or three kicks maybe the whole time. He's just, I think, fell in love with his hands. Mm -hmm. But he's a great kicker. Mm -hmm. And then he just got the... And then ultimately got the, kick, the shit kicked out of him by Poirier. And I was like, man, it just seems like he fell in love a little bit too much with his boxing and his body wasn't conditioned to take the kicks and he wasn't using his own. His um, stance also leaves him pretty vulnerable too. Yeah. He's so... He turns that lead toe in, yeah, boxing style. Yeah. Opens up the calf kick, the outside leg kick. Yeah. Were you surprised? A little bit, yeah. I mean... Did you pick him to win? I figured he would. Yeah. I was kind of up in the air but I think ultimately I thought stylistically he had the advantage and I still think that to some extent but mm -hmm. you don't get Dustin Poirier is such a fucking dog yeah. I've just sucked Dustin Poirier's dick so much in the last month on this <laughs> podcast <laughs> like I just can't between him and Max Holloway I'm just fucking like <laughs> <laughs> but man they're both just so much fun to watch If you, I, I don't think any fighter has ever had a tougher five fight stretch or six fight stretch than Dustin Poirier yeah. Well, he had to fight Khabib. Khabib didn't have to fight Khabib. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. I think, yeah. But Khabib, Gaethje, Pettis, Eddie Alvarez, Connor. I mean, Eddie Alvarez twice, actually. And yeah. Max Holloway. I mean, that... Those five people in a row. Yeah. Whoo doggy. I mean, mm -hmm. it's tough to get a, a heart. Shogun's 2005 year was pretty solid, too. He had five like fights in a row that were just insane. But, I mean, he's up there, man. Dustin Poirier's a dog. And he comes from, like, kind of around my area. Yeah. And I kind of respect him for that. Him in yeah. D.C., like, Louisiana boys. I'm West Virginia, but same-ish area. Yeah. But it's good to see him doing well. I, I was shocked at the second round TKO, though. Yeah? He thought, I didn't think he'd get him that early. I thought the calf kick would be a part of the I game. That's the first time anyone's ever seen Connor get finished while he was not tired. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he had lungs full of air. <laughs> you know. How long have you been uh, like drilling the calf kick in your classes? In the classes? I mean, how how? I mean, it's really been around for what two or three years? Uh, longer than that. Well, I mean, I mean, of course, it's existed longer than that, but it's sort of been shown as an effective way. I mean, it's we we talked about it on the one of the last podcasts. If you think of the people in the last five years who've been wrecked with that kick, 
Henry Cejudo got wrecked with that kick. Yeah. Chandler. Michael Chandler got wrecked with it. Uh, of course, Connor got wrecked with it. Um, Formiga got destroyed with it. Um, who else? Who else has gotten ruined with that calf kick? I mean, there's, there's a, we listed out a few just off the top of the head. I think it was. I've always had have a breath of weird shit that I like that I show, but I didn't really start drilling it hard with anybody until I think Tips fight for uh, Nicolini. Yeah, I think that was when we started doing the calf kicks like quite regularly. Which was a couple years ago, right? Three years ago. I I think it's been like two or three years since it's been in sort of the zeitgeist, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word. It's of course existed for ages. They use it in Muay Thai, but the Muay Thai square stance makes it much more risky to throw. Mm -hmm. But you get these MMA fighters who are boxers; they turn that lead leg in. That that just opens up that that calf kick, and especially the boxers who are heavy on the front leg trying to step in on the jab with that toe turned in, because. I don't know. I think you can probably take, I don't know, three times as many thigh kicks as you can calf kicks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just throwing that number out there, but yeah. Well, in terms of pure damage, it's far more effective. The calf, right? Oh yeah. Would yeah. you say it's three times as effective? You could take like three to one to the thigh from to the calf ish somewhere in that. I'm just picking a fucking number that makes. Sense I feel like if you land a like if you, if you land a really good one, that's like. That's Dunzo right there. <laughs> like, I mean, if you hit that nerve, yeah. If you, if you hit, hit the that, nerve, yeah, that's it. Like that's it's, it's that one. That's the one that matters. It's just you probably need a few shots to get it. It sucks so bad. <laughs> Even if you do it in the with a shin pad, it, yeah. it can still wreck your leg. It can yeah. still wreck your leg with the shin pad. I wonder if there's long term damage from that like nerve damage. That's a good question. It seems like everybody kind of recovers quickly. Yeah. Like within it, I mean, I'm sure you get that swelling. Did you hear what Poirier said about like uh, the compartment syndrome? I thought that was interesting. Did you hear what he said about that? Apparently, uh, when he fought Jim Miller, Jim Miller was kicking the shit out of his leg. And he said that after the fight, well, his doctor was concerned about compartment syndrome. Because apparently, because the calf is so isolated, you don't get nearly as much blood flow as you do something that's like near your, your main organs. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's like, the problem with the calf is it's like low on the leg. So all of that blood and all of that inflammation tends to stay there, mm. and you can have a lot more like lasting damage there just because it doesn't have the the inflammation and the swelling. It's more difficult for it to I'm bro science in the shit out of this right now. Yeah, but it's more difficult for it to go, spread through the body. And he told he said in one of the interviews that that his doctors were concerned about compartment syndrome. I thought it was really interesting. Mm. I hadn't thought about that, but that that low calf kick sucks, and it's become this huge thing in MMA recently. I wonder what the count, I wonder who's going to snap their leg the first time trying to throw it. And then as someone, as people adjust to it and they develop the defense, you know what I mean? I'm waiting I want, on that defense. I've not seen anybody come up with a good good answer for it other than throwing back. Well, which is funny because I did see Connor checking it, which is why like... He's still getting, he's still getting hit. Though. And it's just right on the top of, even if it's close to the bone, if it's not full bone. Yeah. If it's still even just on the front of the shin, just, I mean, yeah. if you feel your shin bone, right? If you feel mm-hmm. the front of your leg, that muscle sticks out. So you got to really turn it out. I think it's even harder to turn it out and block than the actual like thigh kick. It's faster. It's faster. It's it's lower risk, I think, in, in a lot of ways, especially if you got that bladed stance. And you can't and you can't check with your knee, which is, I mean, like if you throw a thigh kick and I check with the knee, he's not kicking me the rest of the fight probably. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a good point. It does take out the biggest weapon with checking a kick, which is actually the mm-hmm. knee, not really the shin. Yeah. Because the shin, shin to shin, can, it can break, but when you kick the knee, that's such a big joint yeah. that that'll do so much damage to the like low ankle, lower like shin, ankle area. Well, that's you when you see guys' legs snap. Usually yeah. not from shin to shin. It's usually shin to knee. Like, and those are usually... Like, broke, and that's how... 
Corey Hill's leg broke. I think. And uh, Gokan, or no, uh, not Gokan Saki, um, Tyrone Spong. Oh, he broke his leg like that too. Exact same thing. But Keanu had a leg break. Yeah, I know. I tried. I tried to look it up, and one fucking pulled that shit oh, down. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Because the warrior spirit yeah. told them they had to pull it down, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Dude, it was literally the next day. Because I know Keanu. He came and trained with me at Clinch. Yeah. There's probably. I think he's in that picture right behind your head. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember, like, I wanted to see what had happened because. Not because I like gross shit like that, because I'm fascinated by martial arts. I, I just wanted to see what technique. And apparently, it was it's almost always in the inside leg kick. Inside leg kick, checked by the knee, right? Especially if you're in the same stance. If you're orthodox, or open orthodox stance or usually. Stance. Yeah, yeah, but if you kick the yeah southpaw ortho, then you can yeah. Get but if, if you kick the inside leg from that stance, you're you're a fool. Yeah, that's just I, my students do it all the time, and I have to explain to them like, no, in certain stances you kick. If we're in the same stance, you kick outside the leg, mm-hmm. and if we're in switch stance, you kick the body, right? Mm-hmm. You kick because that's what's open. But yeah, if you throw the inside leg kick in open stance, you're asking for a leg break. That's just not yeah. not good news. But it's fascinating to watch the evolution of martial arts and see how things have changed over the years because that calf kick is just a game changer. I've, I've heard they literally added it to the UFC game. Oh, really? Like the newest download. You can oh, calf kick now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, one of my students was telling me. Like, yeah. So this is literally a game changer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's, I think it got so popularized that someone, people were asking me at work about it this week because, you know, I do the podcast and stuff like that. People who have no clue about fighting had heard, oh, what's this calf kick thing I've heard about? Because they all probably watched the Connor fight and they heard about the Connor fight. Yeah. yeah, I kept seeing these things that was like, you know, it would be like nerds thinking or, or, or people that aren't familiar with fighting thought it was the punches mm-hmm. because the punches ultimately ended up dropping them. And I'm like, dude, nah, it was all the calf kick. Like Connor was still alert. He was still awake. Man, there's just something about those body shots where the to the leg. I don't know why they're so – are they like that for you? They're so much more satisfying for me to watch. You know, like <laughs> somebody like-, <laughs> like a liver shot or a solar plexus crumbling body shot or like leg kick finishes. Like for, if, I think it's because it's the sadistic part of my brain that right. knows yeah. that you're still conscious. Yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't do anything about <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, uh, did you watch the um, the Ryan Garcia knockout, the body shot finish? Yeah, it was. Like, he hit him with a, I think it was a liver shot. And I mean, this is right. This is like a world title boxing fight. Guy had never. The, oh no, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Ryan Garcia. I think. God, I hope I'm not wrong about this. But, you know, it's like a world championship boxing fight. Guy had never been dropped in his entire career, period. Gets hit with a liver shot, right? Fighting for the world title. He's totally awake. He knows everything that's happening. He's tough as shit. Never been dropped in his entire career. Everything in his soul is telling him to get up. And his body's like, fuck you. (laughs) So he's totally, like, if you get hit in the face and clipped, like, you wake up and you're like, what happened? Yeah. But if you're, like, crumbled with a body shot, you know everything that's happening and, like, your senses are just firing. You, it's just sensory. Over your guts are burnt. You can't. You know, it's like you can't open. Yeah. You, your whole body's just fetal, and no matter what you do, even the people who are watching, the lights are there, and you just can't fucking move. There's I like, something I like, about that. I like watching guys who, like when they get hit with leg kicks, and they're like hobbling around. And I'm like, I want to see them get finished with leg kicks, but I kind of want it to keep going because <laughs> I'm torn. I'm like, I'm like, you I want to see I, that I want him to take more, but I, but I also want to see him get finished. I don't know which one. Like, I, I really want more. You know. Well, I watched this. Uh, I watched this one fight the other day, 
it was uh, one of the Muay Thai fights. It wasn't Rotang, but it was one. It was one. You probably seen the clip. It kept throwing like the liver shot low kick, like the Dutch style liver shot low kick, liver shot low kick, mm-hmm. and it, it was one of those uh, low kicks where the leg just straightens out mm-hmm. and completely stiffens. Right, so he's trying, but like he, you know, like you get kicked sometimes they collapse, but when they get kicked and the leg just like rigor mortis stretches out, he can't <laughs> uses it all, and I'm just like, ooh, it's because all that muscle is just locked up. Mm-hmm. So even though he's like trying to be in his stance, his leg is just fucking straight, and he can't, yeah, he can't bend it at all, and I'm just like, well, that's the body just having like an involuntary reaction. You see the Martin Union uh, Jadamba fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he calf kicked him, and then he starts, like, hobbling. And he threw the flying knee, right? Like, he's probably, like, he oh, saw the flying knee coming, he, like, can't do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, leg's not working. That's another I good can't calf leave. kick. Like, yeah. That's another good calf kick Yeah, call. yeah. And that was one. Like, yeah. Well, that was one calf kick in the first, what, two minutes of the fight or something like that? Yeah. Same thing with uh, Hen- but Henry Cejudo. He's a motherfucker. He got kicked. He hobbled around on that shit the whole round and still came back and won the fight. Yeah. What a winner that guy is. Yeah. I mean, he's just a winner. Even though he can't walk, his foot's fucking flopping around over yeah. and over. He's falling all over the place. He managed to weather the storm, get beat down for a round. Eventually, the nerves started to respond and fire again, and then he got up and, and was able to win. That was against DJ in the second fight, right? And against Demetrius Johnson. It was a decision, though. It's a pretty close, close decision, too. Yeah. Close one. Really close one. Yeah. Who do you think won that fight? Uh, it's so close, right? I mean... I'd probably give it to Cejudo, but it this that's that's almost like the uh, Johanna uh, Wei Li fight, where you're kind of like, ah, does, did anyone really lose, right? Like, did anyone? The margin was so small if there was a winner. Yeah, that you really like, can't. Yeah, if it wasn't a title fight, you could just call it a draw, and I'd be happy with that. Yeah, you know. Speaking of, did you know that the? Can you pull this up, Jake? Did you know that the uh, Wei Li Zhang Rose fight is in Singapore? Yeah, I just, I just saw that this morning. Yeah, you saw that this morning. I'm gonna go, dude. Yeah, that fight is gonna be fucking sick. I can't. That's one of the best female fights of all time. I really, really, really want to see that. And John Wei Li is Charmaine's favorite fighter. Really? <laughs> She's Chinese, dude. That's all it took. It's all, it's, <laughs> it's a little racist, but that's all it took, man. Well, I mean, she's a fucking animal. I'm joking. Everybody, yeah. I'm joking. Don't send me racist shit. I get that all the time. People saying I'm racist. Come on. I'm married to a fucking Chinese girl. I'm not that's racist. That's you're racist. People terrible and I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm hanging out with a black and dude. Come on, man. Obviously not racist then. <laughs> yeah, that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. I have one black friend. I'm not racist. <laughs> Everybody knows that that's the rule. Yeah. But... Uh, well, we were speculating on some other fights that, because you know, when when the UFC comes to Singapore, they're trying to tap into that Asian market. So Song Yadong, he's a really interesting. Uh, he's the top ranked male fighter. Have you heard of this guy? Yeah, I think he was on Ultimate Fighter China. He beat. Uh, he just beat Cheeto Vera recently. Okay. And uh, he's a beast. Uh, you know the owner of Equilibrium Yang. You ever met him? I don't think so. The Chinese guy. He's the owner of Equilibrium. Yeah. Well, he's really interesting. I had him on the podcast and. Uh, uh, Zhang Weili used to work for him okay. in, in Singapore and they had an equilibrium in China that she worked for and he used to manage uh, Song Yadong and he used to manage her and so he's got all these connections with like the Chinese MMA community and he was just telling me first of all about how good he is but so I figure when she comes that he's gonna do and he's a really cool guy he likes to drink likes to hang out we just sat there and shot the shit he told me all these crazy stories he was one of the guys that uh, you, you you weren't there for that one right Jake that was before were you no it's great to say it up with Yang. Oh yeah, yeah of course, because yeah, yeah. he used to be he used to be <laughs> one of your coaches, right? Yeah. That was one of the first podcasts that you did with me, I think. But what was he telling us the story about? 
because he was a translator for one of the Chinese fighters. Oh. Remember, remember that? <laughs> Apparently, he got flamed super hardcore because he got into the ring. And he was doing the interview with Rogan, and he was translating for one of the Chinese fighters. And apparently, he butchered the translation horribly, <laughs> even though he speaks Chinese because he was like starstruck by the whole thing. So he was like, apparently, when he went back to China, everybody was just shit talking him so bad because he mistranslated everything that one of the people said. But uh, I forgot where I was going with. Oh, but I guess I assume that she's probably going to train with him, and we'll get some kind of hookup or whatever because you love this guy he's fucking hilarious likes to drink loves to party loves to hang out loves MMA and he's the owner of, uh, of Equilibrium cool but uh, they'll probably we were thinking maybe like maybe Korean Zombie might be on that card Song Yudong might yeah, be on that card Dong, right? there might be a few of those really you think they'll get anybody from Singapore because every time they've come to Singapore they found a local fighter Royston no he, they didn't they did that once <clears throat> not the second time they had a didn't they nope there was who, who was the last one who was the last UFC in Singapore? Askren, Maya. Oh yeah, that's right. I was like, can you pull up that card? Yeah. I just want to see who was on that card. They throw Hawaiians on there. They're like, ah, they think they're Singaporean. <laughs> Askren, Maya. Oh yeah, we went to that. That's yeah, when yeah. we got the Brazilian fucking blitz. You yeah, know yeah, that? yeah, yeah. We're sitting there drinking and shit, and all of a sudden, fifteen Brazilians were swarming around us, screaming some nonsense. <laughs> yeah, let's see who's on this card. I wonder who they're gonna. Because I guess Singapore is probably one of the few places that they can actually that they can actually put fights on. Oh yeah, Michael Johnson was in the co-main. Frank Camacho. Cyril Gon fought on that card. Well, he's a top contender now. That's interesting. Muslim Salikov also. That's pretty decent. Some big heavyweight heel look too. I forget which one that was. That might have been that one. Oh yeah, that was it. That was which yeah. is hilarious because Cyril yeah. is a French kickboxer. Yeah. Get, I remember that heel because that guy obviously had no idea what he was dealing. I don't even yeah. think that heel hook was in that deep. Yeah. What's your opinion on on heel hooks in MMA? Because I was just training with Sean today. They don't work. They don't work, right? Thank you. No. God, Major, I love you. We have such a similar martial arts philosophy. Yeah. I was training with Sean today, and Sean's like black belt level jujitsu guy, yeah. but he's only recently started doing MMA, mm-hmm. and we do the MMA sparring. It was just me and him for a whole hour today doing specific training, all that kind of stuff, and he kept trying to go double grip on the leg to go like K-guard entries into the legs and everything, but as soon as he would try to commit two hands to my leg, I'm just like, doink, 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 and then he's like, oh, you can't do that, and, but his instinct kept, keeps going there, and every time I'm just like, pop, 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 it's like, fuck, fucking fuck. Well, don't get me wrong, like, it, it can work. It but, can work if but, you get the hands on the mat first. Well, That's it, it, the only it, time you get a decent entry. If you can, if you can off balance first yeah. when you're doing some sort of leg entry, and you can manage to get both of the hands on the mat, you have a brief window where you're relatively safe. Or you can or if you get things. a reap, if you get a reap like standing or on the ground, yeah. because the reap turns your body right. Yeah. Like so, if you're on the bottom and you get reap through, it can actually prevent the ground and pound. There are certain yeah. scenarios where I think that you're safer. But generally, like I, I, I sort of put it in that same category as Barambolos. Like you could probably spend a lot of time on that stuff, and get, you know, to where you could be somewhat effective on the lower levels. But I mean, at what opportunity cost? Like how much better could your wrestling and striking have been? And that's where most of the fights are won nowadays, anyway. Wrestling, right? Yeah. Is there is there a highly effective leg lock? For MMA in your opinion, I mean, I guess it would have to be the inside heel look, but you still don't see that very much unless you're like a Ryan Hall type guy or someone who's like such a high level dealing with like regular people, but he's not going to fucking heel hook Khabib like. I don't know, man. Gary Tonin couldn't heel hook Raul. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Imagine him trying to heel hook Khabib. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> Raul's good. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's not as well known as Gary Tonin. Yeah. You know. What about like? I mean, I think the only real practical, the most practical, not the only, but the most practical method would be like, again, someone standing over you and you reap to a sweep, not to like finish, mm-hmm. right? But to like set up a sweep. Or, like, if you're going to do some of those, like, you know how, like, when you do, like, a K-guard sweep or something like that, if you connect the hands too early, people will sprawl on you and you can't actually, like, get, you have to, like, get the hands down. Then you can connect your hands and you can start to throw the leg through or whatever. Mm -hmm. It has to be something like that. Like, you have to get a good off-balancing effect so that the hands come down and then you have a brief opportunity. Or you get that deep reap where it turns the body, it turns the knee sideways and I can't punch backward across my body like there, I feel like there's some limited usage but it's so s- small in its scope that you'd be better spent learning how to get the fuck up or like wrestle like or your fine motor skills kind of go a bit shitty when you get into a real fight that's I, why I mean I mean like your, your fine motor skills of being able to find that perfect little dig and you know you, you, you large you rely probably more on large motor skills like joke you know, that's that's more effective probably, or punch, or takedown, but like digging for these little, like these little tiny little movements right here, trying to catch that heel. I don't know, man. I feel like with people just scrambling and disengaging, and it's pretty fucking hard to heel hook somebody under that well, circumstance. I feel like the proof is kind of in the pudding because the leg lock game is obviously the most recent phenomenon in jujitsu, yeah. and you've not really seen it translate to MMA. It's right? Different guys though. For the most part. For the most, for sure. Not those high-level guys, but when have those high-level guys, even in just jiu-jitsu in general, like the very, very, very best jiu-jitsu people, the the world-beater world champions have still never been able to consistently win at the highest level. You know who has? The Khabibs, the John Joneses, the wrestlers. Yeah. Like the Damian Mayas, the Jacarees, the Hodger Gracies, the absolute pinnacle of sport jiu-jitsu people yeah. all have failed at the top level. It's one-dimensional. You need to be able to adapt to different opponents. Dude, yeah. if this was a Brazilian, all, if this is a Brazilian yeah, listening to this podcast, you know, they're going to, whatever. But this is just the reality of the situation, right? I mean, it just hasn't translated. But the wrestlers of the highest level have been able to consistently win world championships, win UFC belts, win Bellator I, belts. I think actually it's the, it's the MMA guys that are willing, that are able to adapt the best. Because if you think about it, we call them wrestlers, but GSP was an MMA guy. He wasn't a wrestler. He was a guy who was very good at wrestling. You had DJ. As far as I know, I don't think that kid went to to college and wrestled. I don't think he was an Olympian or anything like that. But he was one of the John Jones. I don't think he wrestled at a very high level either. Yeah. He was like he lost to Matt Riddle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these these guys are MMA fighters. They they can adapt to any situation. But then you get the Cormiers and then you get the Henry Cejudo's and you they yeah. will always translate. But the ADCC champions yeah. has have as an ADCC champion ever just submitted everybody in one UFC belt? No, not once. Yeah. They always will re- hit that resistance because, first of all, the ground and pound changes everything. The wrestling changes everything. Here's the funny thing about jiu-jitsu. It's like we always kind of mutually agree to stay on the ground. Right? That's the whole thing. Right? Whereas, so like, when, when keeping them just, on the ground yeah. is the whole game. Yeah. Like, keeping them there. Not yeah. like... Because I don't have to just... It's not slap hands, fist bump jiu-jitsu where I'm like, okay, I'm playing guard now. Pa, 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 punch in the face. Pa. Like, I'm going to try to pass your guard, and I'll be like, nah, I'm just going to stand up. Because or I'm going to upkick you, anymore. or yeah. whatever. Right? And then I'm going like, to stand up. Kick <laughs> your fucking knee, upkick yeah. you. Like, Yeah, it's, it's a different different thing altogether, I guess. What do you think, like, if you had to pick... Well, I'll give you a, a two-parter. Well, number one, what 
do you think is going to be the next evolution in MMA? Well, we'll just stick with that. I'll give you my opinion. I think the systemization of ground and pound is the biggest area where there's room to grow in MMA because the stuff on the feet, the boxing, the Muay Thai, the kickboxing, there's been so many good people. Same thing with the pure BJJ. Of course, BJJ is still evolving because it's the youngest martial art, Mm -hmm. but the wrestling, all that stuff in its isolation is really, really highly developed. But the actual ground, ground and pound, like when I was starting out MMA and even until I started teaching it, there was no system for ground and pound other than like grab the cross wrist to block the punt, grab that side and then that side is open, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a few things, but it's not the hand fighting to actually set up the ground and pound is not like been purely systematic. So, but then you see somebody that like Khabib that comes in with his leg laces and how dominant he is with his punches. like. In my opinion, that is the area of mixed martial arts that has the most room for development and for growth. And I think as time goes on, especially with somebody like Khabib, it's going to become way more systemized because something like throwing elbows from the top position or ground and pound from the top position only exists in MMA. There's no other sport where it exists. And I feel like most gyms, they just like do it. You know, they just kind of go. There's not actually like a system for how to do it the most effectively, with the exception of a lot of the Sambo guys, because Combat Sambo is the only other grappling discipline where they actually have ground strikes legal other than MMA. Yeah, the difference though, I think uh, a lot of those controls come from um, folk style wrestling. Even Khabib, I think, learned it more from Kane in DC, because when he went to, before he fought in, uh, before he was at AKA, he, he's like more of a freestyle wrestler and he was guys were getting back up on him He wasn't able to control very well But once he started training with those guys he was able to kind of pin him down and hold him So I think that the idea with folk style is that we don't lock our hands, right? So we've always got a hand free to strike I'm putting a spiral. I'm spiral riding this guy, but yeah. I'm not gonna hand free so I can just start to pound that guy Why don't transition. you explain the difference between folk style and freestyle wrestling because I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast have no idea Okay, so uh, freestyle, probably a bit more brutal on the takedowns because you can pretty much just do anything. You can gut wrenches and flips. Yeah, and you, you can, can throw people over, head over heels. Yeah, and um, but not so much for the control. They don't have as much, uh, I mean, they have a partay, whatever, but it's not like, it's not like folk style control where you start and you, and you just try to prevent the guy from getting up, which is what everybody's doing on the which ground. Which is the whole meta yeah. in, in folk style wrestling. Yeah, and that's, so... The benefit is, I, I would say that you have nastier takedowns in freestyle, but the control is probably not as good as folk style. Folk style, the takedowns are a bit, I mean, they don't have any nasty throws because I have to hit the ground before you hit the ground. But the control is really nasty, and we're not allowed to lock the hands. So you, you have, like, uh, generally when you're controlling somebody, you could be hitting them. That's, you know? that's the trade-off always. Do yeah. I control or do I punch? Because if I punch, you have more yeah. freedom to move. But if I control, I'm not causing damage. With jiu-jitsu, you, you'll be using two hands to control a lot of the times. Right, so you, so like, if I got a cross face underhook, uh, that's like the, the quintessential control in jujitsu, right? Uh, right, squeeze. Well, yeah, you're 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 using both your hands. Though. But you're not punching. Then you're not it, damaging. You're not punching. You're not doing damage, right? And then the guy can ride the round probably, and you know, get to restart on the feet. Yeah. So if you, so for the listeners that don't know, uh, in America, if you go through the collegiate wrestling system or the high school wrestling system, they do what's called folk style wrestling. And folk style wrestling really only is popular in the U.S. Outside of that, all of international wrestling, the wrestling that you see in the Olympics, the wrestling that you see with the world championships is all freestyle wrestling. Mm -hmm. And as a quick, there's more nuance, right? But as a quick uh, summarization of the differences, in in freestyle wrestling, if you're on the bottom, 
you, you go wide because mm-hmm. people are going to try to wrap their hands around your gut and they're going to try to get your heels over your head and throw you, which is mm-hmm. like a five-point move. So you, you flatten yourself out because you're so worried about people wrapping their hands around your stomach and flipping you. Mm-hmm. Whereas in folk-style wrestling, you're in that wrestler get-up position. You're on all fours, your hands and knees are on the mat, and you try to get up and turn toward your partner. And you're awarded riding time in folk-style wrestling for being on top. In other words, the longer I hold you down, the more points that I get, the more control that I get. Not, not necessarily points, but mm. but also I get points for escaping if, in folk-style wrestling. If I'm on the bottom and you're on the top of me and I can stand up and clean break, that's a point. Mm-hmm. Right? So... The, the folk style wrestling is all about getting up and therefore the top control is all about keeping you down. Mm-hmm. It's not about flipping you or gut wrenching you or grabbing your ankles and rolling like a, like a gator roll. You yeah. can imagine like me tying your legs in a figure four and then doing like a spiraling motion. You get points for that in freestyle. And realistically, that is not practical for fighting at all. Yeah, like what are we even doing here? There's what no point. Yeah. There's, it's yeah. fancy. It looks cool, which is, yeah. the same, which is why you're saying the takedowns look more dynamic yeah. right? When you're, when you're watching it. When you see people do that and when you see people gut wrench... Then when you see people do those hip tosses where the heels come over the head, which score more points, it looks way more dominant. But the reality of fighting is it's just flash. It serves yeah. no purpose. Whereas, oh, I, in, I, 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 Don't get me wrong. If you did that to somebody on the concrete, that's probably they're not feeding themselves anymore. That's fair. <laughs> they're eating through a tube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's, it's funny, right? Because I don't know about you, but I was like a very average wrestler. Mm. I, I grew up, I started wrestling when I was 13 mm. and I wrestled until I was 18, like middle school, high school basically. And I was a very average wrestler. But it's always funny, we've talked about this before, but come to Asia and even with just a few years of like folk style wrestling mm. compared to here, which is the, the culture of grappling in Singapore is all BJJ. Yeah. It's all, me and you do the most wrestling of any martial arts studio in Singapore for sure. Outside of like the actual dedicated rest, but like MMA gyms, yeah. Like I mean, I wrestle every. My kids, all they do is wrestle. They all do takedowns every day. All I do MMA. All we're doing is wrestling. We're not playing guard in MMA. Get the fuck up! I have to yell at Charmaine all the time. I'm like, quit playing guard. Quit trying to like scissor sweep and like all this. Sh- get the fuck up. Get an underhook and get or whatever. Right? Like, because I understand the difference between. I, I think there's a few reasons why that it, that it's that way. Um, one, it's. Uh, more space efficient to pull guard and just play guard rather than having guys driving for takedowns all over the mats, right? You're limited in space in Singapore, right? Yeah, that's true. Two, wrestling's fucking hard and it's uncomfortable. People don't like to be hard and uncomfortable. Do things that are hard and be uncomfortable. They want to do easy things. So, that's my number one opinion of why people don't yeah. want to wrestle because it's yeah. just so easier to sit your fucking ass on the ground and butt scoot like you're a dog with worms up your ass. Yeah. And I think... At the, <laughs> like, sorry, Jake, as a guard puller, cool. I'm the, not trying to insult you, dude, but it's, <laughs> this is the reality of it. At the recreational level or, or even like the sort of regional level in the lower belts of competition, it's way easier to win as a guard puller probably. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not penalized for sitting on your fucking ass. Yeah. But if I can elbow you in the face... You're gonna regret the decision to just sit on your butt like that. Yeah. Well, you can you can just basically close guard on somebody and do a lot of acting like you're trying for submissions and you know. It's the same thing with leg locks. Like it, it it's a purely sport BJJ thing because if I'm on top of you and I try to sit back for a leg lock, there's the chance that I'm give, giving up position because I go yeah. from a top position to having to sit back to my butt. Mm-hmm. But if you're on the bottom, you can go for a leg lock without worrying about like giving up the top position. Yeah, which is a completely like it doesn't make 
any sense in like a fight, but in the sport specific rules, then yeah, it makes sense to go for leg locks when you're on the bottom. But you know, there's just so many other problems like connecting your hand, all the shit that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So you start to see these like, which is why when I'm starting to teach my BJJ people like Sean and some of these other people, like the difference between like real fighting yeah. and like what you can do in jujitsu and then what you can do in a real fight. And then of course you have the, you know, learning how to get a clinch without getting hit, learning the striking defense, the offensive wrestling, all that shit. It's just so different. And people here mostly do striking or jujitsu. Most people don't do both and they certainly don't train MMA long enough to really see the faults in the, the martial art when you're just doing like one thing or another. Yeah, people, I, maybe it's because commitment to people don't put a lot of time into their training. Like, like they would maybe in some other places like if in America, Japan, people go all in on their hobbies, you know? Here it's kind of like, I'll do it twice a week. Yeah. I can probably be slightly better at jiu-jitsu if I just focus well, on that. It's why all your fighters compete really well, whether it's like Bart or Kaishan or Tiffany or any of your guys, they all compete really, really well because you put a heavy emphasis on the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like getting the fuck up or whether it's taking somebody down, like all your guys can wrestle, all of them can wrestle. And that's why they compete well, whether they're competing here or whether they're competing overseas, because they're dealing with a coach who knows fighting, not BJJ. Oh, this is your BJJ coach who wants you to fucking armbar everybody. This is your Muay Thai coach who wants you to do whatever. And this is your boxing coach. It's like, like you know, fighting. Mm. And in fighting, you just. But I, I don't even really think of it as like martial arts anymore. Or not martial arts, but I don't think of it as like styles, like jujitsu or or boxing or wrestling or, or Muay Thai. I just think of it as a range. Like, okay, we're standing. What can we do to each other? Okay, uh, you've got your hands around my waist. What can we do to each other? You know, and so I just think of it. If, if we do situational training or something like that, like okay, we're on the feet. There is no such thing as boxing. Boxing and takedowns, like they, they go together. It's all one thing. Yeah, punches, takedowns, kicks. It's all one thing. Yeah, it's you have to look at it as like one one thing. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and that's how I teach. That's why I like I, I tell my students like I have, I have a couple students who are like old school trained by ties, right? And mm-hmm. they want that like. Thai style pad work and they want or like I have I teach the boxing class and they want to turn the toe in and they want to fill a shell and they want to roll and then you get the BJJ people who want to do the slap hands fist bump guard pull stuff and I'm like listen like I'm not a BJJ world champion I'm not like a Lumpini stadium champion like if you want to go to specialist for one thing I'm not your guy but if you want to know how to fight yeah to actually integrate all of these skills it's just a different animal I'm not teaching like Thai style Muay Thai. I'm not teaching Brazilian style Jiu Jitsu. I'm teaching like fighting. Yeah. Like mixed martial arts, how you can actually apply all of these things. And so the distance, for example, is so different. Like if you're dealing with a boxer, you're dealing with an MMA fighter. Like the dis- the way you can close the distance with a punch and a takedown, switching your stance, like learning how to ground, all that shit is like one thing. So if you want to go to somebody to get a piece of it, then I'm probably not the best guy to go to. But if you want to learn how to fight as a whole, I, I don't even think that's a good comparison because what, what do you think is a better one? Uh, so you're saying like, if you go to a Muay Thai guy, you're getting a piece of the fight. I, I don't think that's really the case. I think you're getting like, all right, you got to look at it like this. Modern MMA is an iPhone. Muay Thai is a sundial. Uh, <laughs> boxing is a sundial. Yeah. Yeah, boxing is a daguerreotype. Like, you know, wrestling is it's it's some primitive technology that's obviously been sort of uh no made obsolete in the context of uh modern MMA, right? For the most part, a lot of it. Yeah. 
yeah, so, your iPhone has everything that those things have, but it's a better version of it. Yeah. Right. So I, I feel like that's what MMA is. It's it's really like an evolved version of all those things. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, it takes a little while to kind of figure that out. But I remember, yeah. I remember what, when I moved to Asia, I, I sort of got mm. the understanding because the wrestling here is so weak, mm. right? And even when I would train with like Brazilians, when I would go to Evolve, whether I do the MMA classes or I do the Muay Thai classes, and then I would realize that like the Brazilians who would fuck me up, yeah. right, in that gi slap hands fist bump style jujitsu yeah but then when i would go to an mma class and they really struggled to take me down if they took me down they couldn't hold me down because i'm not playing that game yeah and i was like okay wait even like four four or five years of wrestling like made it and i was like okay hold on so these these guys actually really struggle to take me down so it, that nullified so much of it and then i remember i was training with my coach Kronoy, behind me and i started training with Krutung. And Krutum's a he's a lion fight champion, right? He's a high level Muay mm-hmm. Thai fight, 150, 200 fights. But once, but at that point I was a brown belt in jiu-jitsu and I wrestled and he fucked me up. I thought he broke my jaw one time. He hit me so hard with an uppercut that I thought I was like, I couldn't talk, I couldn't open my mouth better than this mm-hmm. for like a week, right? He fucked me up so bad. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, I can't remember if it was, I think it was when I did that fight that you cornered me for, I started training and he was willing to do MMA. And he was like a, Maybe like a three or four stripe white belt because he used to be a coach with Cordoy at Evolve mm-hmm. back in those days. And when we did the MMA sparring, like at first he tried to, to Muay Thai me, right? Mm-hmm. But I'd catch the kick or I'd take him down. And then after a while, the distance changed and he wouldn't come close enough for me to take him down. But then I would start to land some punches, way more than I could ever land on him if it's like mm-hmm. Muay Thai style. And then every time he would come close enough, I'd take him down and his wrestling just wasn't there. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Hold on here. Like now I can land punches on this person. And of course, anytime I got him to the ground, I could just finish him. He's a white belt like, See, on the, the ground. The right. Thing, and then I was like, Oh yeah. shit. Now I, I like, I really can start to see like mm. how much the striking will go down with the combination of all the other elements. And even though he's a way better striker than me, but I was a way better wrestler. And once I got the fight to the ground, I mean, I could have even pulled guard and probably still submitted him and stuff. Right? I didn't, but I could have, because the jujitsu level was so different. But it was just eye opening to me, and I was like, okay, this is the whole thing here. This is real fighting, not. Yeah, you can't simultaneously defend the takedown and your face. So, <laughs> like something's gonna open up. Which one? Which one are you giving me? You know. So, did you ever have like that that kind of eye opening experience about the? the complexities of MMA as compared to the sort of single discipline style that you tend to see more in Asia? I, I, I guess like a, the single discipline styles are like looking at a tree and then MMA is like looking at the forest, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a whole lot more trees than what have been branded or named. Like cage works its own martial art. <laughs> well, you kind of, you kind of actually inspired me to, or, or yeah, inspired me, but also like, made me come to the realization that there's a market here for people like you and me mm. because it was, I'm sure it was similar for you. I know it was similar for you when you came to Singapore, like the business model for martial arts gyms in Singapore was you bring in the Brazilians to teach BJJ. Mm. They need to be a world champion so they can get a visa or whatever. And then you bring in the ties cause they have to be like a, cause Evolve set the business model for what MMA gyms in Singapore were initially, mm. right? Back, you had a couple other guys here and there, Jason Quack and some of these other people who had opened smaller gyms that weren't necessarily like that, but the general, but Evolve had set the stage for what the standard for what a highly successful MMA gym in Singapore could be. Mm. And then when I worked at Trifecta, I was just like the little fucking, you know, we had five Brazilians, Italo was here, we had Crew Noy, we had Crew At, a three-time Lumpini champion, we had Crew Watt, a Raja Dunlard champion, we had all these people, and I was just like, 
I was like this little hillbilly that <laughs> like did some striking and wrestled. It was like a, wrestle? a purple belt or a brown belt. Over in the corner. But then I remember when you opened up Highlight Reel and, uh, and of course you'd fought and won and everything. And then when I started to see like your success and you had a lot of students and I always just felt like the lower tier, per- like I never thought that the people that would train with It's Low or Crew Noi or Crew At would ever come to me. Because mm. I'm like, why would they come to me when they have these guys that have so much more experience I and mean, rightfully so like those guys are I mean crew adds a three-time Lupin he's a three-time world champion in the biggest stadiums in the world like he deserves his respect and he deserves his students so I'm like well what is my value right mm-hmm. and then I remember seeing you start to open up your gym get all these students and then once we came back from Malaysia I was like you opened my eyes that it was like okay it might be possible to break this mold and be an MMA coach who brings a different element to the game Mm -hmm. which is incorporating all of these skills together but you know i didn't know it was possible i saw you do it and you were doing it successfully and you had a bunch of students and i'm like maybe maybe i can actually do it and then now that like the gym is up and running and it's successful and i realize there's a different way to do things and the students don't necessarily mind as long as you can sort of open their eyes to the larger thing well to be fair since that that was like what maybe when you were like six, seven years ago, the t- point in time you're referencing when you're like a brown belt or purple belt or something yeah, like that. Something like We've that. gotten a whole lot better since then, and the the market's gotten a whole lot worse. Like I think. Why do you say that? Well, a lot of the, not the market, but yeah, I guess so. Like a lot of the black belts have left. A lot of those guys that were high level black belts, Brazilian black belts, have left, and what you see now in most gyms are like purple belts teaching. Yeah. Like freelance purple belts. A lot of gyms are just run on purple belts, purple belts, brown belts, something like that. Guys that have never throwing a punch in their life and, well yeah but I also I also think that the Singaporean purple belt or brown belt in many ways and this is not to slander or discredit anyone else but they're in many ways more reliable more dependable than bringing in these guys from overseas oh and cheaper for sure well, of course yeah of course cheaper but right. also like in some ways many much more dependable much more reliable mm. for cheaper for sure right yeah. but like I don't know how to say this without <laughs> without pissing a bunch of people off but it's just like you know it's just different and for and for you you're, you know you're also like a coach too like you, you're you, you did fight but like ever since I've known you and you got out of your fighting phase you, you've been a coach right and there's something to be said for a person who like you like you know when Italo was here like Italo he just won the, ma- the world masters right, right? Like, you know, he, he won the or the ADCC trials in Brazil, mm. right? Like, so, but he's a competitor and people can be kind of starstruck by that mm. and they'll get a lot of influx of students because of that clout, but it doesn't have staying power. And also his focus is competing. It's not coaching. Right. Like they, they would coach to pay for them to go compete elsewhere. Like the, the coaching was a secondary thing. It's a side right. piece. Right. And over a long enough period of time, I feel like students start to realize that it's a side piece. Whereas mm-hmm. like for me, I, mean, I'm, I can't speak for you specifically, but for me, I'm a coach. That's my number one thing. I get way more pleasure doing that than, than teaching. Mm-hmm. I don't spend time at home thinking about myself winning world championships or fights or anything. I spend time thinking about how to impart this knowledge to my students. Like that's just where my brain mm-hmm. naturally goes. And I feel like students over a long period of time can start to sense that. They can start to sense like, okay, are your intentions like, for me or are they for your thing and then you're doing this to get to that other thing I think they think maybe they can but I also feel like a lot of my students they don't know any different 
<laughs> so, like, they don't know That's how... That's why I say over time, they start to... No, nah, I mean, like, like what they get from from a coach that really cares about them and looks after them, and, you know, I'm at every one of their grappling tournaments that I can be at, you know? Sometimes there's a fight in a tournament at the same day, and I gotta go to one or the other, but I, I'm, I don't take days off from that stuff, and all of it, you know? And I'm, like, I try to help them get ready for everything, you know? Um, I think... I think if you start with somebody who's like that, you think that's just how it's supposed to be. Yeah. But, man, I tell you, most a lot of places, it's not like that at all. Like, I, I don't even think... I see a lot of times I'm at tournaments, I, I don't even see coaches from other gyms, you know? Yeah, they'll be there alone, solo, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times. So, so often I see stuff like that. Me too. I've seen yeah. that many times. I've been... I've cornered a lot of people because their coaches weren't there for whatever reason. Yeah. I remember I came back from... And I'm not going to say any names, but I remember Charmaine and I came back to... Singapore from KL mm. and we were just here to visit everybody and I rolled up to one of the sea grappling tournaments mm. and there were like 10 of my old students there mm. right and uh, they were all competing and I was like where, where are your coaches and they're like oh they're boycotting the tournament <laughs> and I'm like well, what are you talking about why are they boycotting the tournament and they're like oh because they thought the refereeing was biased or unfair and I'm like okay but you're still here and they're like and they're like yeah so can you corner us and I'm like so wait your coaches because their own ego was the number one issue, yeah. right? It wasn't about the students. It was about, oh, you offended me, so I'm not going to go even if my students are there. Yeah. So I rolled up to this tournament. It was literally like 10 students. Like, it wasn't a small amount, yeah. right? And their coaches were like, no, I'm not going to go because these referees who are purple belts or blue belt or whatever they are, right, they're doing their best, and then they didn't agree with the calls that the referees made, so they decided that you offended my ego, so I'm not going to go coach you because these – Purple belts did something that I don't agree with. Even though they have all these students, they're competing. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It's not about you, dude. It's not about you. Like, your students are here competing. What the fuck are you doing? And I just was like, that was a crystallization of me understanding how off the priorities for some of these coaches can be. Because they're so willing to be like, no, I'm going to make a point. If, like, four or five black belts don't show up, then they're going to know that... They've really upset the wrong people. Meanwhile, the tournament fucking went on exactly as it normally did, and people did their thing, and it was just like... But they thought it was going to be something where they were sending off some... Sending a message. I don't know what they thought they were doing, but it's just nonsense. And you see that all the time. Yeah, you see that kind of stuff. And it's the difference between a, someone who's really a coach and then somebody who's just kind of doing it. Or it can be a lot of variables. It's not just that. But it can be ego. It can be a lot of different things. I've seen coaches who who uh, take their gi off and run off the mat as soon as class is over because they don't want people asking them questions. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seen that I used to get those those yeah. students who were like super sketchy about asking a question. I remember one, and again, I'm not going to say any names. I'll just say the gym. Evolve. Okay. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to say the gym. But I remember one time I was at Evolve and I uh, asked one of the black belts there to roll with them, mm. and then. Uh, that black belt that I went, that I asked to roll with, he rolled with me, but then he went and told the other black belt who was teaching the class that I asked him to roll. And then he came over and had a side conversation with me and he's like, dude, you can't ask the black belts to roll. The black belts ask you to roll with them. You don't get to ask them to roll. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> he can say no, yeah. right? Like he can just be like, nah, dude, I don't feel like it or I want to roll with whoever else that's there or whatever. Yeah. And it was just like, I was so, he was so offended because I, as a purple belt, had the audacity to ask him to roll. It's like, dude, I want a good roll with, like, I just want to roll. You can say no, but you're, like, offended that I somehow went above my fucking pay grade to ask you to roll. How dare you? And I'm like, so let me ask what you a culty little shit place this is. <laughs> what, I mean, that's kind of like 
one of those old traditional rules in jiu-jitsu, which, by the way, I don't follow. Like, people ask me all the time. I don't care. It's fucking nonsense. You can yeah. just say no. Yeah. So which, which traditional rules do you follow? None. None of them? Mm-mm. Not a single traditional rule of jiu-jitsu? I don't do the gauntlet unless the students ask for it because I don't like the idea of beating the shit out of people if they don't want it. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen some students who are genuinely afraid mm-hmm. of the gauntlet, right? And then I see some students that are suckers for punishment and they love it. And I'm like, okay, I'll slap the fucking shit out of you. But I'm not going to force that upon you. I roll with do all the girls. Do you bow on the mat? Uh, we bow before. Yeah, I guess that's the old school thing I keep. We bow before and at the end of class. Right. Um, I don't know. What, what other traditions do you... Like, what, what other ones stick there's out some, in your There's head? some goofy ones. I, I mean, I, I take a... That one, the, the the asking the higher belt to roll on that, that's a bit goofy. I don't do that one. Some guys won't roll with girls. I, I'll roll with anyone. The girls thing, that doesn't bother me at all. I have no issue with that. Yeah. I think for some people that might be like a religious thing. Some of them. Yeah. But like for us, a hobby, he doesn't roll with girls. No? I don't know if it's a religious thing for him, but he mm-hmm. says he never rolls with girls. I mean, I have no issue with that. I mean, what, what are some more? The gauntlet, that's a traditional thing that I just leave it to the student. You want it, because mm-hmm. they've all seen it, because some people want it, so they know it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And if they want it, I'll do it, but I don't force it ever. And if they don't want it, I'm like, it doesn't make you a bitch. You can just say you don't want to do it, and then you don't have to do it. If you want it, then cool, I'll slap the shit out of you. I'll tie a knot in it if you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are some more, like, old school traditional thing like beating up the white the new people from the gym i don't like someone comes in from another mat it's an old school thing that like you got to show how good your guys are so you stick the mat enforcer on them and let you let them know that, like that's an old school thing i the opposite if someone comes in from another gym i want to give them a tough role but i don't ever want them to feel like mm-hmm. we're being predators to them you know what i mean what are some other ones i don't know if that was a rule old school rule dude I still feel like have you gone to any open mats in, or like traveled and gone to gyms oh yeah dude yeah, sometimes yeah. I go to some gyms when I'm traveling and I'm like what the fuck is this like I walk in and I feel like meat mm. and I'm just like okay this is not what I'm about like I'm down to roll hard and mm. I'll, I'll do my best I don't care if I win or lose dude I've been doing this for 15 years you, mm. you win you lose it is what it is right but like I want people people when they walk into my gym they feel welcome whether they win or they lose there's never like yeah. that feeling of like Oh shit, or stress, or anxiety, or whatever. Usually, when I go to other gyms overseas, they tend to be like all gi gyms, so they know right away when you walk in you're a black belt. So that I mean, I mean, you could probably put the meanest blue belt on me, but I don't know. Well, my hair was like <laughs> my hair was telling me some stories about him going to Nor. My hair is a black belt in Singapore. You know, he's one of our friends. He was telling me stories about him traveling and like every time he would roll up to anybody, it was fucking on. Like yeah. as soon as he walked, he's like, they're sending everybody after him. And he was like, it, <laughs> he told me, it was like, it's fucking stressful. Like it's yeah. actually racks your nerves. What about um, you, Jake? Do you, do you remember any of those old, do you have any of those old school, like BJJ type? We say, we say oos a lot. Oos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you, you guys do those things? You don't do it? Not really. When you bow in, do you say it? No. Really? Nope. You, what's your what's your like intro command thing? When you do your class, what do you? How do you start each class? You bow. When you say anything, is there uh, like a? Okay, guys. That's it. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, guys. Uh, <laughs> like, let's start. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't do. Well, it depends on the class. I have uh, a few different types of classes, but I try to mix the. The, the way I teach around a little bit so that I can hit different learning styles. So I have some classes that are super, super informal. It's just like, you just roll and hit pads and you can ask me questions if you want to, you know. I've got other classes that I, I'm planning out that are like, 
individualized modules where everybody's working on their own stuff. I've got other classes where it's like, you know, the, the traditional kind of like three techniques, situational, then a rule that you get everywhere else in the world, I guess. But yeah, yeah. but um, except for the beginner classes, I don't even do warm ups. I feel like they're a waste of time. I I, I do drill one like drill the one like I, we do a lot of like butterfly to single leg x to s mm -hmm. to reverse x like we just do that burn the fucking abs like yeah. get everybody sweating or like one for one sweeps or one for one takedown right like I, i'll do stuff like that yeah i do that for a warm like it's yeah. always i'm not like running or yeah. doing hip escapes for yeah, 10 fucking no, no, no. minutes i don't do any of that shit no it's just lame who does that i mean i, know people I don't know <laughs> i don't understand it i just think you you, you get bad reps because you're like half-assed doing it you're like oh, yeah exactly God, it's like, bad reps yeah or, or it's it's not the most optimal way to learn and like, like it, it comes at an opportunity cost. Like you've got an hour or an hour and a half and you're burning up 15 minutes doing bullshit. It's like 20% of your class. Yeah. What about like, uh, do you get any old school? Cause you and me grew up in the bro kickboxing, boxing days where people sparring was a fucking fight. Do you get any of like those old school? In Asia it's a little bit better cause a lot of the, the strikers here train with like ties. Mm. And when they spar, it's the sub by style, it's the loose, you know, relaxed style where it's like. Uh, culturally people touching. are just so polite. They just don't, they don't want to. I get to people from the other gyms periodically, though, who fucking bro down, who, like, you know, maybe they haven't trained in a few years, and they come from a European gym, or they come from an American gym, and, like, I'll see them throw one punch or one low kick, and I'm like, dude, stop. Like, calm the fuck down. Like, you just came here, you can't be walking into the gym throwing heat with, like, this dude who's a fucking lawyer or a finance guy, right? Like, you just can't come in here and throw that kind of shit. Mm. I get that pretty much from anybody who's Western or American who comes into the gym that doesn't know the culture that we have a stronghold. I get that a lot. I feel like you get that with people who who are like... That Insecure low, a little bit. No, no. Like that low intermediate level. That low intermediate level where they, they're they like baby cobras. They don't mean to. They just can't control their venom, you know? Like they, they hit every... every. They don't have a uh, pace. or uh, Not pace. They don't have like a... They don't have control to scale their punches down. Yeah. They're just... Every punch, like it, if it's the bag, if it's the pad, if it's shadow boxing, if it's a drill, if it's sparring... It's all just 100%, like, all the time. That's the only way they, they can do it, you know? That's what are your, like, pet peeves as a coach? Like, what, what do you, what's a common thing that you see where you just immediately have to shut it down? Like, you're just like, dude, no. I, I lose my shit when I watch people do <laughs> MMA sparring and they don't touch each other. Oh, yeah, that's one. Like, like when, when they just kind of, like, do this. I, I have or, one guy, or, and yeah. I, I love you, Sid, but he, he will literally, like, punch the mat next to yeah. the person's face. Yeah. And I'm like, hit him! And yeah. he'll, like, still hit the mat. I'm yeah, like, yeah. dude, stop! Like, punch that person in the face. Yeah, like, yeah. You're here at MMA training, like... I mean, they have to know where the problem is. That's what, that's the... that's the, You're giving them feedback, right? You don't have to knock them out, but touch them. Not. Touch yeah. them with the glove. So they know, oh, shit, this, is, this is wide open. I can't do this K-guard that I was... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like touch them, you know. It doesn't do any good to hit the mat because then how is he even working his defense from that? Maybe he, maybe that day he's working on taking less damage from the bottom if he if he ends up there, you know. But if you're not hitting him, he, he can't do that either. Yeah, I get I get that issue these days. Like mm. my number one issue with like my guys who are good, but not, but they're still like a couple years in, but they're starting to get good skills. Yeah, is like because I stress control and safety so much because you know mo like. 98% of my students are not trying to be fighters. Yeah. Right. I live in like a nice part or the gym is in a nice part. It's mostly like parents or professionals. And then, but you get a few of the guys that have had fights and they want to fight again and they want to do all that kind of stuff. And I can't get them to bring it up because mm -hmm. they're, they're so concerned with like safety and protecting each other. I can't get them to bring it up. Mm -hmm. And then like sometimes like we've, we've had some guys come in from other gyms and they'll go way harder than them. They'll come to me and they'll be like, do you think that was too hard? And I'll be like, no. And they'll be like, really? And I'm like, yeah, because you're going with people who are good now. 
Mm. Like, you know, if somebody comes in off the street or white belts or whatever, then, you know, for lack of a better word, for Muay Thai or whatever, white yeah. belts, yeah. You, you shouldn't be beating the shit out of that person. But if two people, like two purple belts on the feet are going with each other and you're fucking pitter-pattering, like, and then I told one guy, I was like, yeah, it's okay to drop each other with body shots. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, man, body shot. Yeah, you guys have been training for five years. Of course, I'm not saying like always drop, like throw full heat to the body, but like you got to stick it in there. Like someone's walking you down unrealistically. You fucking hit them with a hard body shot, right? Yeah. But you're fine. You get that liver shot. You wish you were dead for like 30 seconds. Then you get your <laughs> fine after that, right? Like, I don't yeah. ever want to see you throwing heat to the head. Yeah. You know, you got to cap out at like 40, 50%, whatever it is, unless you have a fight. And then maybe you have to go through that phase of like learning how to deal with stiff shots and everything. But you kick the leg, you fucking make it a little sore the next day. If you're dealing with somebody who's of a higher experience level, same thing with the body shots. So sometimes I have a trouble, same like you, getting them to go up to like a stiff pace with good people that's safe, but also you might hurt a little bit the next day. You might get fucking, uh, you know what I mean? I feel like I feel like you're more likely to have an injury in jujitsu than than uh, striking though. Yeah, because even if you get like kicked in the leg a bunch of times, you may have a limp, but you're you're not gonna be hurt. You get dropped with like a hard liver shot. That's yeah. gone in 30 seconds, a minute, and then you're good well, to go. Well, jiu nothing's padded. So, like, you're just in a weird scramble, and somebody's knee hits your head, and you're like, ah, you get, like, a lump or something or like cut that. cut or yeah. whatever. Most of my black guys have come from jiu-jitsu. Your black guys? Yeah. Most of your black guys? Oh, I thought you said, I thought you said yeah. guys. Yeah. Not no. eyes. Yeah. Oh. Eyes. It's like most I, of my, I heard black guys. Too. You heard black yeah, guys, yeah, right? Black guys. It's like, yeah. Jesus, you're pulling race into this? Yeah. Most of my black guys come from jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's because you're like one of the ten black dudes in Singapore. The other nine train at my gym because our owners <laughs> in Golden. <laughs> the other nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's funny, man. It's always interesting to chat with you, man. You got such a a well honed in perspective on, especially training MMA. Yeah. And the real way to get that is by doing it. Otherwise, you're just parroting shit that you hear. You're not actually mm. deriving it off of experience. I don't know, man. Did we hit everything? How long have you been going? Uh, uh, well over now. Oh, nice. So, you want to keep going? I'm fine, yeah. You're good? Yeah, yeah. Let's keep fucking going, dude. Yeah, let's rock out. What else you got, man? How, how's, how's things been? You just opening up the gym? You got anybody fighting soon? I asked Tiff if she's planning on fighting. She hasn't heard anything, apparently, from one. And she's yeah. beat everybody in the division, so, other than Panda. Yeah. I don't know. That was a... That was a Okay, okay, here. Now I want to hear this because I haven't spoken to you like publicly about what your thoughts on that fight were. We we watched it live. We live streamed it. Yeah. And then our reactions pretty much told the story of what we thought happened in the yeah. fight. We all thought she won. But I'm curious about what your thoughts objectively, as objectively as you can be, considering the fact that she's one of your students and everything. Do you actually think she won the fight? What were your thoughts on the decision? Was it one of those ones where you thought she won, but it was close enough where you can kind of see it, or were you like, this is bullshit? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you're going by their scoring criteria, which is so goofy and like, I mean, it's good in theory, but you'd need like, you'd need like a Matt Hume that didn't have his own students fighting in the organization to, to be the judge for, for like, for, for that, for that, you know, you can't have guys that do jujitsu scoring damage. Yeah. What the fuck do you know about damage? You've been punched in the face. It needs to be MMA <laughs> you know fighters. I mean? They bring the beach yeah. black belts in yeah, as the judges that's, that's and stuff. And everything, but yeah, but this, you're not going to be, it's largely damage based though. Sorry. It's largely damage based. So you can go for all the jujitsu moves you want to, but if somebody lands a good punch, that's supposed to, you know, 
be what scores more in that rule set. It's not consistent because you saw Gary Tonin get his ass kicked, and then he still won his fight. So I mean, he took he took more damage. So what do you think? What, what, what were your you thought Tiff won objectively? It's hard or to score. It, so it was it was close enough yeah. where you're like you didn't feel like it was a robbery. Ah. Uh, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, dude. Tiff, don't hurt either one of us. You're no, fucking... They just don't hurt us. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was close enough where it could have went either way. Okay, so I thought that too. I didn't think it was a straight-up robbery, but I thought, especially because it, late she came on, yeah. she had the most dominant round. Like, But as the fight went on... Late, objectively, I, I think she kind of won. But the, the problem is that, again, BJJ guys who've never taken a punch to the face, they get emotional when they see blood. So if you get one little jab and it cuts you open in the first round... Right, you eat one little jab. You're bleeding in the first round, but then you're bleeding every round after that too. So it seems like you, like you're, like that damage is happening every round, but it, it's just one cut that happened. It's one punch. So and your criticism just, is the judging. I think the judging is bad. You don't have real, but that's everywhere. The judging is bad, except for when I'm judging. <laughs> yeah. That seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, we actually went through the scoring criteria, right? Yeah. Like we, because we were trying to be objective on the podcast, right? Yeah. And of course, we're biased, but we did our best to appear object, subject, objective. Yeah. And so we pulled up all the scoring criteria, and it's weird, right? Because even though there is this, like one thing about the UFC is they have to put a number on it; it's tangible, right? It's a ten nine right. based on all these kind of things, and that that's where it gets a little uh, ephemeral and amorphous, and it's hard to actually figure out where it is, but you do put a number on it. And then in one, they're like, okay, we, we score the fight as a whole. And I'm like, okay, so but then how do you compartmentalize it? You have to compartmentalize it in some way. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, five rounds, this person won. Yeah. Okay, wait, they, but they, so they, then take, how, they take notes and things like that, and they're supposed to mark particular categories, but the problem is like, how, how do they do it? So, I mean, have you actually seen it? Like, so you see the criteria, right? Yeah, I've seen the, can you so pull it up, Jake? It's basically like a hierarchy of criteria, right? Yeah. So. But then it's like, how much of this second tier does it take to beat that first tier? That's, yeah. that's unknown too, right? That's where it gets weird. Yeah, and it's like, how do you how do you quantify that? Because you're saying like, oh, that was a oh, this person took a lot of um, internal damage this round, and so now they're maybe ahead on the scorecards. Like, oh, no, a cut as opposed to a body shot or like takedowns. Because even Tiff, like, I mean, I'm still of the philosophy that like, okay, the striking is dead even. The person with the takedowns that'll edge you. Yeah. Cause she she got takedown. She came on late. The fifth round was the most obvious round for Tiff. Yeah. Right. I, I thought late she came on. It, yeah. Like there were a lot of the rounds where it was like, dude, it was so close. Like mm. the, what, what, Tiff was kicking better. Panda was punching better sometimes. And then, but then Tiff would control her against the cage, or she would hit the takedowns. And like I just thought that like certain rounds it was so close. Later on, she started getting the takedowns. She fucking kicked her in the head. She head kicked her. Yeah. A couple times, I think. Yeah, a like, few times. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this. What was the most significant strike Panda landed? Maybe that one two is a jab or cross. Maybe that little hammer fist. But look, here's the thing, man. I think when you're talking about guys who don't fight, you you just have to be able to trick them as judges. You know, the theatrics. Ha ha ha! Run forward and just miss every single punch. But you seem aggressive, and the other person's bleeding. I think that person won. I don't know. I don't really know fights. I've never done it before. And that and that's kind of that's happening. That's yeah. Most of those judges. No, yeah. So that's that's what you're getting. You know, I think. You got him here, Jamie Rosa? Yeah, please. And Don't it didn't mind. help that she was wearing a white rash guard because that collects all the blood and makes mm -hmm. it look like you're, you know what I mean? Oh, that's interesting. Because damage, I guess, is the second highest. There was no there was no near KO or submission. That's, to me, I mean. So that's no. A cut's superficial damage. 
I mean, it literally it literally says superficial. Like if you go to if you look at the second scoring criteria, like yeah, it's just red sweat, bro. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, why is blood inherently? It's because people get emotional when they see it. They don't like blood. It yeah. can blood can be significant, or it can be nothing. Yeah, like you look at the Diaz. If you have scar tissue and you get hit with anything, you're gonna fucking bleed. Like, no. can you keep keep it up there for a second, Jake. So, uh, okay, got near. We've done this before. But let's do it again. Got near K or submission damage internal. Okay, I would just point out that internal is number one, according to this. Yeah, and clearly Tiffany was doing more body damage. There's just no question. The body kicks were there all day. The teeps, the body kicks. And superficial no, internal internal applies to head as well. That, that just means like yeah. But how yeah. do you how do you fucking judge internal damage? Especially if you've never taken internal damage. Yeah, I mean, and right. then accumulated superficial <laughs> striking yeah. combinations and cage well cage generalship Tiffany definitely won. Yeah, hundred percent. Because Panda was fighting better in the open, but once the clinch started to happen against the cage, especially late in the fight, Tiff was clearly dominating that ground control. She got the takedowns. She was on top. Did did Panda ever get on top? I think she got she a reversal. She, she got a reversal in guard, but she never was on top in a dominant it was, position. It was at the end of the round. She got yeah. a reversal, and then but Tiffany definitely had the most time on top. Got yeah. the takedowns. Yeah, and then uh, Orin take. I mean, Orin takedowns aggression. She was clearly pushing the pace as the fight went on. I don't know, man. I still think Tiffany just. I think she just gets all all of that. All of that. I feel like. I well, guess superficial damage. Aggression. You can say uh, Nan because she was shouting a lot. And, and it, it sounded it sounded pretty scary. I'm not gonna lie, it sounded pretty scary. So if I'm if I'm one of those judges, I'd be like, all that shouting, she must be the winner. Yeah, if you key eye, you fucking yeah. win, dude. Yeah. Everybody, everybody knows it's that. It's part of the theatrics, bro. <laughs> part of the theatrics. You put on a show, you raise your hands right after you for the fight. So if, if there's any doubt, the judge is like, they think they won. They probably did. Did they have to? <laughs> did they have to release the uh, any of the? What, what do they actually say when? Did you ever see what the scoring cards were? Is this mine? For, for the Tiff's fight? No, that's just going on. For, it's plugged in, right? Oh, it's not plugged in. Should we, should we take a pause? Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. We got a, we got a camera malfunction. So I got to piss like a racehorse. Surprise. Spoiler yeah. alert. So uh, I got to pee. We'll come right back. I'm going to use the clapper so Jake doesn't kill me. <laughs> this is the Stronghold Podcast. Thank you. We will be back. And we are back. And I just peed like five times in the 20 minutes that we... Took a break, so major things as usual. Yeah, you had another beer. We're feeling good. We were just talking about uh, about Tiff's fight. That's what we finished on. We we're talking about a bunch of shit, but that's what we were just talking about. And uh, you you mentioned something that was really interesting that I'd never really considered that uh, Tiff was wearing a white shirt. Yeah. Uh, in her fight w- with Panda, and you were talking about how, and it even says it like like superficial things and like bleeding is actually part of the scoring criteria. Yeah. And when you wear a white sh- rash guard compared to like a dark colored rash guard, you there's like a visceral. How do I say it? There's like a visceral way to almost favor in terms of the judge's eyes, like how much damage someone's like you perceive it differently. If like I'm bleeding. Okay, if, if two of us are bleeding the same amount, like let's just assume for the sake of the argument that we are bleeding the exact same amount, just right. for the sake of like a scientific experiment, right? But I'm wearing a white shirt and you're wearing a black shirt. It clearly looks like I'm receiving more damage. Yeah, for sure. This is not making an excuse for the scoring criteria. It's just a thought experiment, yeah. right? Because if you're wearing a black shirt, I'm wearing a white shirt, hypothetically we're bleeding the exact same amount, it will definitely look like you're bleeding more than me. Yeah, for sure. And because you you'd said it that you thought that may have played into the the 
it may or may not have. It's just something that he said. And to, initially, I kind of was like, ah, oh, that's bullshit. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you definitely would think that. Yeah, for sure. And you told me that like, when you saw that she was wearing a white rash guard, you immediately thought that. Yeah. When we were back, when we were backstage, I saw her pull out the white rash guard. I was like, ah, fuck. Here we go. Talk right into that thing. Dude. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah, I was like, I was... I was like, that's never a good move, you know? Like, I, I never even occurred to me. Right straight away, I was like, a white rash guard? I was like, uh, nah. The only time I've ever worn white was when I fought a grappler. I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to bleed today. <laughs> I get choked, but I'm probably not going to bleed today, you know? <laughs> You're like, you know what? This is fine. I'll, I'll roll with it. Yeah, but even then, like on the legs, not, it's not going to carry as much as like right directly on your, your chest. If you get a nosebleed, if the, if the air is too dry... You'd be bleeding all over yourself. <laughs> like, That's so funny. I, I literally never considered that. But I mean, just, that for sure is a very, you get the contrast, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it would for sure appear, again, assuming all things are equal, like you're just a purely scientific experiment. Yeah. Like it, you, any the, the layman viewing it would perceive it as, I, I've taken more damage than you. And you, you said something earlier about, um, about bleed. I can't remember what it was, but shit anyway it's just it's interesting i never really thought about that but that was really fascinating and the fact that you identified it early kind of says something about your experience level because you said it to me and i was like what but then i'm like yeah it would totally to the layman especially to your point of like having judges who may or may who may perceive bleeding as a less or more serious indicator of damage absorbed right because some people will just get hit and bleed. And then other people, they're very difficult to cut. Conor McGregor actually made a really interesting point about um, about how he'd never been cut other than, I think, one fight a little bit. But he mentioned, like, in all of his fights, he'd only had one cut. Whereas somebody like the Diaz brothers, people with a lot of scar tissue on their face, I mean, one glancing shot, they're going to cut yeah. right open immediately. Yeah, that's one of the funny things because when I when I judge and ref for WLC, one of the criteria is... World Lethway. Yeah, championship, yeah. Uh, one of the scoring criteria, or one of the things that, the main thing that we score on too is damage, right? So, is superficial damage part of that? Like, you're, you're I don't think it's. We, how much weight do you put into that? So, I mean, As a judge, if you're, you're not a judge, if you're not dead, if you didn't hurt me, then it doesn't count, you know. <laughs> so you know, you, you you punch someone in the nose, that nose starts bleeding. Uh, because that's stupid. Because it's it's almost like the same thing where like, you have some pasty white Irish kid and you. Hit him with your instep. <laughs> you hit him with your instep, and his leg turns red. Like, but then you have like some black guy. Hey, you hammer. You hey. hammer. You hammer we don't bring race leg. out on this podcast yeah. unless it's me. Yeah, I'm the only one that's allowed to drop yeah. racist bombs on here. Yeah, one's one's marked up, the other one's not. You know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't really count count that. But I had Dave Ledoux come up to me before before his uh, the day before his fight, and he asked me like, "So, what do you mean damage? Do you mean blood?" I was like, "Blood." And I was like, "Blood's red sweat, bro." Like, like blood's nothing, you know. Dude, you should put that on t-shirt. Yeah, blood's just red sweat. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've seen that on t-shirts before. Probably, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I it's, it it's a common thing. In I was giving you yeah. credit. Yeah, but I mean, really, it kind of is. It's just a body fluid, you know. Like, well, it's it's funny because I can I can objectively understand, like you know, I've been doing this so long. I can see the difference between a cut that's a, like no big deal and mm. then like a significant cut. And a significant mm. cut should count toward damage. Yeah. But it takes an experienced eye to distinguish like, oh, this person just got a lot of scar tissue, not a big deal. You mm. could hit that other person with the exact same blow that won't cut them, but it would cut you. So what what do you rate more though? Like is a cut, like a little cut, or somebody getting their their head rocked back? 
Oh, the run back for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a cut a cut can be significant. Like, uh, you, you know, this is a little bit controversial, but like mm-hmm. the Nate Diaz Masvidal cut. Right. Like, it looked like, I'm sorry, a vagina on his face. It was huge. Which and I still don't think the fight should have been stopped. Right, but it was a big open. Like, that was clearly going to knee stitches. It was right above his eye, yeah. which is what the actual scoring criteria dictates for, like, when a fight might be stopped because of a cut. Remember the Marvin Eastman cut? Oh, that, that, nah, that was... That was, man, I was if you could pull that up. super fucked up. If that. you could pull that up. Yeah, that, pull that up, man. That Marvin Eastman cut? Now that's a cut. That's a cut. And that's yeah. a damaging cut. Like a real damaging cut. Yeah, but I mean, you could pop somebody's pimple and they'll bleed. And if you're wearing a white shirt, <laughs> it's going to look like you're... That's you know? so true, man. I mean, yeah. it's one of that. That is a nuance that I really hadn't considered much, but you're, you're totally right. I mean, I had a girl that... Uh, I saw I was this was like three three days ago or something. Two two of my girls were rolling together, and one gets up and leaves. And I look at her gi, and it looks like there you know a bloody nose, a bloody lip. It looks like a really serious thing. And then uh, I asked what happened, and she literally said, "Oh, my pimple burst." But there's blood all over. Oh yeah, that's it. Most of the time I see guys bleeding in the gym, it's a pimple that popped. Yeah, you know it's yeah. Pull that shit up, Jake. You got it right there. God, look at that. Yeah, that's a, that. You can see his brain. That's a, <laughs> that's a yeah. serious cut. That's, uh, I would say that's a little bit more than superficial damage. Right yeah, there. that that is. Can you pull up the Masvidal? Because oh. I, I want to see it in the Nate Diaz after, when he fought Masvidal, just so I can see. In my head, it's one thing. I'm. I still thought the fight. Oh God, look at that. I don't think brutal. that's. I think that's the worst cut I've ever seen. Is that that that's up cut? there, man. Yeah. That's up there. What about the ears? Did you ever see the cauliflower, the girl with the cauliflower ear that burst and she was bleeding? I mean, obviously yeah. that is a completely superficial cut. Yeah. It's not going to damage anything, but it, man, there's a fucking hole in her ear. That's a pretty serious cut, dude. People were talking shit about that stoppage. Yeah. And I had Dr. Alan Chung on the podcast and he was like, man, that was a real cut. And if you, at the time, I think it's the BMF thing. People thought that like, oh, how are you going to stop? But look at that. Those are two huge gashes on his face. In retrospect, yeah. that's a good stoppage, man. That's right over his eye. He's got one below the eye, too. That one doesn't matter so much in terms of the, what would stop a fight, but that one above is pretty rough. Would you stop it there based on the unified mm-hmm. rule scoring criteria? Well, I wouldn't stop it because I would... If you were a... What, hypothetical, you're Herb Dean, right? You're, you're the referee. The ref doesn't stop the ref. We'll call a timeout and have the doctor look at okay, it. Okay, so you're the, you're the doctor on the corner. Would you stop it from that? If the, if the scoring criteria specifically says the threat of it going into the eye and impairing your vision, would you stop that? I mean, it's not bleeding technically right now. Well, right there it's not, but it, it's not bleeding this second. So, no, we don't stop it. That's a pretty gnarly one, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's not my area of expertise, I guess. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I wouldn't. But that didn't get stopped. Yeah. That Tyson, that's a good point. That that wall, Otto Wallen fight, they didn't stop it there, and he was bleeding everywhere. But imagine if they had stopped that, which is funny because boxing is, they're way more strict about stopping fights for cuts than MMA. Like, MMA, your, your fucking head's got to be falling boxing's off. Boxing's also, like, twice as shady, or way more shady. Yeah, well, yeah, so corrupt. We talked about the corruption with boxing too many times on this podcast. <laughs> but MMA's pretty corrupt. Do you remember that Kimbo Slice... Uh, Stoppage where he, where he popped the cauliflower ear on the kid. Yeah. And they stopped it for that. Well, what about, what was the girl that had that crazy... Jessica, was it Jessica? I think it was Jessica I. Jessica I. Can you, can you pull, let's just go down this gore. Hey, you want to know why, you want to know why the podcast doesn't get monetized? Because we're like, oh, let's show horrific gore all over the podcast and see if it, if YouTube wants to pay us or not. A little love bumps. She she. <laughs> love bumps. A little love bumps. A little, just red sweat. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think it was Jessica I, but I, mean, I think hers burnt. You can see, like, inside, you can see, like, the white, almost the calcium deposit, right, where the ear had exploded. But, I mean, it was, like, hanging out. Yeah, ugh, God. Here it comes. If you're listening to this, you should yeah, but watch like, it if you want. Yeah. It's a little bit gross, but that probably happens somewhere else once a month anyway, so. Hey! <laughs> it's hey. not going to stop the fight, you know? It's just blood. It's just Anna- blood. <laughs> it's just blood. Well, and they didn't stop it for this. Yeah. And I think it's based on the rules, right? The rules say it needs to affect the vision. Yeah. And which is a good line to, to draw. But the point is, like, blood... But then you don't see them stop fights for swollen eyes. Yeah, or, or hematoma, right? Yeah. Like uh, when Mark Hominick fought Jose Aldo. Yeah. Or when uh, uh, Jean Wei Li fought Ioana. I mean, she literally looked like an alien was bursting out of her head. And they didn't stop the fight. Uh, she still had the line of vision, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying they should have, but it's one of those yeah. things where... What kind of superficial damage should you stop a fight for? If not, like... I mean, pretty much bleeding into the eyes. Like, I mean, if you're if you're incapable of going on, that's pretty much the whole point of the stoppage, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're... Sure, but if you're capable of still going on, but your vision is... Like, do, okay, do you save the fighter... Like, okay, so that's what the actual unified rules say, right? right? If it's going into the eye, the rule is it impairs your vision to the point where you are more likely to get knocked out because you can't see what's coming out. What, do you think that's reasonable? One eye or two? Well, most of the time, one. I mean, if, you, if right. you're, like, bleeding from both of I mean, your eyes you get and, a, like, you you're blind and shit, then, yeah, that's obviously yeah, yeah, a problem. Because but. I, you can also make the argument that Michael Bisping fought and won a world title with one eye. But he lied about that. He lied about his vision, apparently. That, what he could see, or, or he couldn't yeah. see? No, that he, that he could see. Oh, uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He was a one-eyed man with I no know. depth perception. And won his title. Yeah, and won, won his, his title. title so he was blind. It's, I mean, he makes an argument that he, like, at that level, maybe guys are still capable Jake, of Jake, while we're on this kick, eye. can you pull up Michael Bisping popping <clears throat> his eyeball out of his head? Yeah. Because that is... And, and what's crazy is, that happened from a, a steroided-up Vitor Belfort... And then he had his best fights after that and won the title. Yeah. Well, not being able to see. That is crazy. That is one of the... Oh, God. Look at that. That is hard to watch, man. Jeez. That is just insane. I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah. Michael Bisping's had a ton of injuries. He, he just got a, another surgery or something, too. He's been around for a while. Is he, the, is he one of the best blood and guts fighters of all time? He's got to be, right? What I'll point out at this point I'm very biased towards this what, Brit, the dirty Brit sitting next what, to us what, I think <laughs> I think he's probably he's probably the dirtiest fighter <laughs> why do you say that? Now, I mean okay so he he's won a lot of fights that he shouldn't have won he's, he's been on the on the right side of a bad decision several times like what? Anderson Silva for example when he got knocked out like dude come on yeah he definitely <laughs> got knocked but it was but the round was over like he got knocked out and there were a few seconds left. Ander- yeah. If Anderson had followed up in, instead of walking away, one strike or two strikes, that fight was over. Mm-hmm. But he dropped them. There's like five seconds left. He walks away. By the time Herb Dean's like, the fight's still going on. Bing! The round goes off. Right, he was out, bro. That, he, he was definitely out. He was definitely out. But that is Anderson He's, he's basically the left way champion. <laughs> he gets knocked out and wins this fight. <laughs> <laughs> what was that fight for the listeners? Uh, there, there was one cr- it doesn't happen often we had this conversation on our last podcast it doesn't happen often because in Lethway you, you're the you're the judge you, you describe the Lethway rules for the listeners who don't know oh, oh so you're talking about, talking about traditional Lethway so 
they have this thing called a timeout, <clears throat> and you can get knocked out, and your corner can call a timeout. And so, like, <laughs> if they call a timeout, Do you, know you, get, no, you don't know. Yes, you right. got they've got two minutes up. to sort of like dust you off, wake you up. Shake off your fucking CTE. Yeah, throw you get back. back in there, dude. Yeah, get back in there. It's and two or three minutes, right? It's, yeah, it's a couple minutes. Yeah, so so this is traditional rules. It's not what they do. shake your legs. They fucking yeah. pour water. You're like unconscious. <laughs> They're shaking your legs and yeah. pouring water on you. Yeah, they don't do this in WLC. Is it? Uh, but the traditional rules, they do that timeout thing, which is kind of crazy. Like it's crazy. most of the time, the guy takes way more damage. But I've seen a couple ones where it's pretty exciting. Like they come. This guy got knocked out. They wake him up. This is the only him. one anyone has ever mentioned. This yeah. one time. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, the, Cy- the Cyrus Washington fight. I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Can you describe it? Yeah, Cyrus. It's, probably, it's online. Cyrus. Cyrus Washington. Can we, can we, can we show it? Do you think? Probably. I don't know. I can show a small amount of it, maybe. Yeah. But you can probably show the part where he knocks him out and then the part where he gets finished. Yeah, so, so describe it. Yeah. Because he, he basically got, they call it reviving, right? Or whatever. Yeah, the time, timeout, yeah. So you yeah. can wake the guy up during the timeout. So, so basically, you get you get knocked out and you can be unconscious, knocked the fuck out. T O T O. Yeah. Or O O. T U T. I thought. There's two, right? There's two different ones. Yeah, I think it's two two. I forget. Two two. This is this is a while back. But so the Lethway rules, and there's a if you if you want to know more about the Lethway conversation Major and I had back when there were fights going on before COVID, I released a clip with us talking about the Lethway thing. And you can, uh, first of all, you can headbutt. It's bare knuckle. You're in wraps only. Yeah. You can, it's Muay Thai rules, but you're bare knuckle. It's like bare knuckle boxing, but it's Muay Thai and you can headbutt. Dude, and it's, it's basically like self-defense standing range. Basically, yeah. if you think of it like that. It's, and you can also you throw, can standing, right? Everything you, yeah, you can do You can do downs. throws, but you so, can't follow up on the ground. But you, you can actually do ground. throws. But I've seen knockouts from, from th- throws. From throws, yeah. Which, which kind of makes sense because you can do silly stuff like put somebody in a schoolyard headlock. To, to prevent the headbutt, but then they can connect their Suplex hands and, and then spike you on your head. Yeah. Yeah, so... So, I mean, because you can do that in Muay Thai, too. Like, you can... There's been a lot of knockouts in Muay Thai from mm-hmm. tripping people, dropping them on their heads and knocking them out like that. A whole lot easier to connect your hands when you don't have gloves on, though. Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah. And uh, but, it, but it's crazy, because you can watch these fights, if you look up Lethway on YouTube, you can watch these fights where guys have been knocked unconscious... Yeah, a couple of fucking Cambodian dudes will run over and like grab their legs, start shaking them, pour water yeah. on their head. They can revive, quote unquote, revive them. Yeah, and then they can send them out to fight. And almost always, it ends horribly and exactly how you would imagine it. But every now and again, you can get a guy who can come back and win the fights like that. And I, I personally don't think the risk is worth the reward. I tend to be more risk averse than maybe you. But yeah. as a person who, if I'm imagining that's my guy. Hmm. You're done. You get knocked out. You're done. You're not because the the damage that your brain takes when you are taking trauma on an already concussed brain. I'm not a fucking doctor, but I can imagine that that is in order of magnitude more severe than like you get one concussive blow, mm. you can recover from that. But you get one concussive blow and then you t- get up and you take a bunch more sub concussive blows. I mean that just seems like it's bad news, but. It can be just absolutely thrilling to watch, and you know? I don't know. I'm not into it. I'm not even worried about. The, I'm not even concerned about the the damage. I'm just thinking like it's not how fights work, bro. Like, yeah, you get knocked out, you lose. Yeah, right? you lost. Yeah, how else? Because you're dead. If yeah, they follow you up yeah. and they keep going, yeah. you're dead. Yeah, it's goofy. I don't. Know. That's why. So it doesn't make sense in a martial arts <clears throat> context, and it doesn't make sense in a self-preservation sense, I guess. Well, obviously, I mean. 
this is probably three thousand year old rules. I don't know, but <laughs> like, I mean, for 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 the sport to go mainstream and to global, to go global, you can't have that. Yeah, you definitely can't have that. Bare knuckle people can accept. I think it's getting more it's getting more and more acceptable to see bare knuckle stuff. Well, I mean, this is definitely not. I mean, which is why even for you for WLC, they mm-hmm. they got rid of that. Not like that timeout revival shit. Cause yeah, that's that was a bad that was a bad rule. I mean, that's, it's crazy that it's out there and you can you can go watch it and yeah. people have won after that. But the reality is they would not have won if that had been a life or death. Yeah, for sure situation. Yeah. right? but it's fucking fascinating. And if you and honestly, like Lethway is the most pure, other than that thing, other than the revival shit, is the most pure expression of unarmed combat on the feet that you get because it's it's yeah. Muay Thai yeah. but there's no gloves mm-hmm. and you can headbutt which you could do and you can throw and you can do all that kind of stuff I, okay I, I said this I think when you and I did the last podcast when we started talking about left way but I think the natural extension is at some point there's going to be MMA where they it's the same thing it's, it's bare knuckle boxing left way MMA you can headbutt on the ground old school UFC Valley Tudo yeah. but you can do submissions and that's coming that's coming. It's the only it'll thing never, that it'll never be on like a a level where guys are good enough to where it's to where it's like uh, you're watching the best in the world do that. Because no, I, it doesn't have to be though. It's a yeah. gimmick. It's a it's yeah. So you're watching like two guys who suck, who can't do arm bars properly, like stomp on each other's well, face. I'm not saying Dave LeDuc sucks, but he would never last in Muay Thai. He would never last in MMA. Like his skills aren't high enough for him to win like a Muay Thai World Championship. So he found this niche. Mm-hmm. Where he's usually like the bigger guy, most of the time fighting these smaller guys. Let's way as a shot to to actually kind of go mainstream because you know they might apply some stuff and it's attached to a culture for for whatever reason that seems to matter to people. It does. And yeah, I think it should. Oh, it's but. cultural. But dude, it's, you know, fighting's older than people, dude. Like, but and I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. I, I think bare knuckles kind of stupid, but but Tudo is probably not going to be able to get that kind of momentum. To, to be commissioned in any commission place for sure. No, but it doesn't have. But I never thought bare knuckle would be able to come back. And somehow they do it on Indian reservations, and they, you know what I mean. Like same thing with Lethway. That that shit will never fly if you have an athletic commission. Maybe I don't know. Do you think an American or European athletic commission is going to allow Lethway? It's old. I mean, if they if they, <laughs> they modify, got music, they got a band. <laughs> Man, if they who, are, modify, who are you in your in your two hundred years of commissioning fights to? Stop something that's been around for 3,000 years. Well, you can't stop it. You can't yeah. stop it, but you also can't, as a government, can, like, prop... You can go to these places where they'll allow it, like they do with Lethway, right? I'm not saying that it shouldn't exist, just like I'm saying, not saying bare knuckle. Look, people, I think, should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And if you want to headbutt people in the fucking face and, like, slam people and drop them on their head, yeah. if they want to bring back biting and people are down, like... I see those Russian videos all the time. You ever see those Russian bare knuckle fights? Yeah, they have like millions of views on YouTube. Millions. I've been watching Bare Knuckle for a while, man. Is that documentary Knuckle? You ever see that? I don't think so. Oh man, it's epic. So it was like a. Can you pull it up, Jake? Not the. Yeah. Just pull up the, the thumbnail or whatever. Knuckle. It's called Knuckle. It took, yeah, it, t- it was recorded over ten years. Ten years. So it's all these like gypsy bare knuckle oh, boxers. Oh shit! Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, oh, I have seen that. Is that the Vice thing? Uh, probably, I don't know. I've seen. I think I have seen it actually. Yeah, it's great though. And you can see the evolution even in that ten years. In the beginning, they looked really, really terrible. But by the end, they looked pretty decent. You know, they, they had evolved, like right? good hands. Yeah, they they knew how to box. And I mean, the other thing about leftways, you can knee, you can elbow, you can suplex, you can headbutt. I mean, which is funny because even in the old UFC, you could headbutt. 
Mark Coleman yeah. used to headbutt people all the time. On the ground. Like, yeah. But I mean, that's even... That's why I'm saying that's the next level. They're going to find some place where they allow MMA, Valley Tudo style, no gloves. You can headbutt on the ground. You can do all that shit because it's a gimmick. People aren't doing it. That's like Bare Knuckle existed for however long, right? That was like the original. There are no fucking gloves, right? Yeah. Bare Knuckle was the original and it took until 2017 or whatever the fuck it was to actually bring Bare Knuckle back. Mainstream, I guess. Yeah, mainstream. It's been around forever. For sure, for sure. Travelers. Can you pop it up there uh, on the main? Yeah, look at that. Knuckle. Yeah. Yeah. Now's not the time, but I can tell some mad shit stories about travelers and bare knuckle boxing from uh, when I used to work in a bar. Hit us, dude. Hit us up. <laughs> no, no, no. We'd be here hours. Because it's that mad. Give I, us can't, I can't do it in 10 minutes. Okay. Okay. And I got to pee again, too. So we're probably just about to wrap this up. Let's finish on the point with uh, Tiger Muay Thai. We were talking about this during the break. Okay. Well, one of the things that Major and I and Jake were talking about was... Um, appropriate level of power to mm-hmm. use when, when you're sparring you you brought up Tiger Muay Thai and you mentioned that by the way Tiger Muay Thai has got in Asia even more than Evolve way more than Evolve they, they're probably the largest would you agree like super kind of gym producing a lot of it's not homegrown but people travel to go there like Volkanovski because it's, it's kind of an open door place you know it's like, an open door but they're not homegrown like they, they haven't had people that were beginners there that they got the UFC titles but they they import a lot of people they bring a lot of people in they give sponsorships people are down to travel to Thailand to do this kind of stuff and you, you've done yeah. some training there so you, yeah. you want to elaborate on that a little bit yeah so I mean like I don't really know what it's like now because COVID and all that stuff but I was in and out of there when I was when I was fighting quite a bit and even after I still go back and see yeah you went as a coach like later yeah. on after you finished yeah. fighting I go back as a as an old man, and still roll around with some of the same guys. But yeah, um, I, I think it was. It seemed like it was at the time. Like you had um, all the English speaking guys. You had like Dan Hooker. You had like Volkanovski. You had like uh, Emilio and Shay and Kai Care France and all these guys, right? And so they, they were like one little clique. And then you had the other clique, who was like Merbag and Zub and all those guys, the, the Russians, the Dagestanis, the Chechens, yeah. whatever. But. Um, you know, they were on the same mat. And but Piotr Jan is there. Yeah, Piotr Piotr Jan, yeah. so the Russian guys kind of all hung out together. Um, and so you had, like, the main sparring where everybody sparred at the same time together. But then most of the time, the, the training, like, the reason why those guys got good is it's not, like, any structure that was on them. It was just because they could do that all day. Yeah. So it would be, like, this practice. Like, they would sponsor you to go, and they'd yeah. pay you so you don't have to, like, do a job. You can just go there. You could train. Yeah. Yeah, it was... I don't. I think they were just they're just getting good on their own, to be honest. Because a lot of the practices I go to, like it'd be like, "Hey man, you want to meet at two I'm like, uh, "Yeah, all right, sure." And then we'd just be like, "What are we doing today?" Like, "Uh, we're gonna do a little bit of striking with takedowns." Like, "All right, cool." So it'd be like that, you know. And then it's just like people like kind of just sharing like back and forth. But there's no, there was no one who was really like there to kind of oversee their camps, like make sure that. They're balancing out the right amount of they're this just and that. good guys. They're training together, so right. the levels increasing. Yeah, so you get some guy who's unheard of who probably actually gives a fuck, you know. All these kids go city kickboxing, and now they're like world champs, you know. Yeah, so. Volkanovski, Valentino yeah. was there. Yeah. Piotr Jan was there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing like videos in like 2015 of like those guys winning like the Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah, uh, yeah, sponsorships. They would do the, the tryouts or whatever. Dude, 2014 was like the most. Was it 14? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those guys ended up making it to the UFC. Yeah, almost all of them. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll finish up on this point because you were you were mentioning sparring with these guys and the Russians in particular. Like, yeah. Like sparring with them is basically a fight, like old school Brazilian style. 
Like, what do you think? Because this is the point we were talking about. What is the appropriate amount of power that you can use? Whether it's high level people like fighters going or like, because you were saying that like you just rolled up one day and then you wanted to roll a zap, right? Or who was it? Zoob. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were you wanted to spar with Zoob and then like you started to spar and then everybody kind of stopped and was watching you probably because this guy had a reputation for fucking banging, right? And yeah, yeah. He threw in like full power shots and you're like, hey dude, calm down. He's like, okay, sorry. And then <laughs> immediately throws just as much power at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what are your thoughts on that? I don't know, man. I guess there's there's different means to an end. You know, you can't you can't really say that the Russian side didn't have success either. Peter Young's pretty fucking good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mer- pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean that's, Zoop, that's Zoop a fact. All right, you know. Yeah. But the the English guys, they would not English, but the English speaking guys, they would they would they would go to more like uh, a reasonable pace, maybe like fifty percent, fifty percent, but good hard wrestling. You know, like good hard grappling, like explos- exploding. But, with but the, still with, keeping in mind the safety of their partner. Right, right, right. So that was like the two different schools of thought, and it was cool because I would kind of bounce back and forth. Between get the, fucking gooned by the Russians, and then like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. English speakers are like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I liked. I kind of liked when you have the mood for it. It's kind of nice to go with both of them. But I, I, I feel like I, I feel like Dana White owes me fifty thousand dollars for sparring with Zub. Though that was yeah. like, <laughs> like, that's a fight of the night that nobody <laughs> yeah, saw. Night, that nobody saw happen. Yeah, it was yeah, crazy, man. Like the other guys, they were so good at like. I feel like, in my mind, I feel like maybe they're actually more skilled because they can they can control their power. You know what I mean? But you like, said you said you saw people get knocked out there. Oh, all the training, time, dude. All the dude, time. They go like, so hard. I see people get knocked crazy. out in jujitsu. What? Yeah. Like slamming each other and shit, yeah. knocking them out. Yeah. Like they'll like they'll. I've seen some guys like go for takedowns like out of a scramble from a sweep, and then just like they'll just like throw the guy in his face, oh, and God. and the guy was like snoring and like unconscious. <sighs> well, you know, I I always say this with with my students at least, if your partner is down with it. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to accept what the person's doing and they throwing bombs at you and I'm like, calm down, you're like, no, let's do it. Yeah. Then my hands are off, right? My yeah. hands are clean. Yeah. Because if you if you're willing to forego that because of whatever reason, if you mm-hmm. if that's what you want and you're willing to accept the consequences, then I'm not gonna tell you not to do it. Yeah. I guess it's, it's to each their own, right? Yeah. If you want to be that person, I just don't want anybody to impose that on somebody that doesn't want it. But if yeah. you're fucking down or if somebody puts it on you and you're like, all right, motherfucker, let's do this then. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, you got to go there, right? I want less brain damage for my students than I had. But I want. <laughs> but that, that means also making sure that they're prepared for their fights too. So uh, you find that, find that balance. I don't think that the, the all-out bohada way is the, is, the, uh, is the way with, especially when you're talking about striking each other. Moral of the story, guys. Blood is just red sweat. <laughs> Blood is just red sweat, dude. Fuck yeah. it. Just Let's bleed. bang. Yeah, just, just bleed. Let's bang, bro. Let's bang, bro. Let's bang. Yeah. All right, man. I feel like there's no more fitting way to end this podcast. Maybe I should name this podcast Blood is just red sweat. <laughs> just, just bleed, just... motherfucker. <laughs> just bleed. All right, man. Hey, uh, shout out your new gym. Shout out your Instagram, all of your shit, all of your social details in your, in your gym's website. Okay, cool, cool. Um, the gym's called Matrix MMA. So the website is matrixmma.sg. Uh, I think it's Matrix MMA on, on uh, Instagram. To see. be fair, you're not open until tomorrow. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sort of just getting... Yeah, Matrix MMA SG is the Instagram. Is it up now? Yeah, it's up Can now. you pull up a, a quick link there, Jake, just to just, show people just the homepage? Just getting everything going, yeah. Just so we can see the homepage. 
And uh, me a second. That's okay. And then show what's your Instagram and all that stuff. You were too late on the Instagram boat, but you're there now. Hit, what's your what's your major overall, right? My Instagram? Yeah. Uh, nah. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't, I don't really do like social media for me. <laughs> yeah. He says that's just a private. You gotta request him to be friends with him. Yeah, I missed the boat on that. I could have had my blue check and yeah, all that. I'm still working toward it, dude. Yeah. I'm still working toward it. I'm yeah. in the I'm in the system. Yeah, that's is that it's, it. Yeah, that's it. So it just it getting it started. Um, yeah, not super uh, big yet. But again, we we only open our doors tomorrow. Is that Tiffin? So. Th- throw that. Uh, can you throw that on there real quick? Yeah. That that. Yeah. So no. Yeah, that's Tiffin John Vietnam right there. Yeah. Your top student, Tiffany Tio. Excellent. All right, man. Jake. You want to shut out your Instagram so people can <laughs> see your kids? And no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. This has been the Stronghold Podcast. Major, dude, always a pleasure. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy this. I can do this with you every fucking weekend. I love it. Uh, thank you, everybody. This is the Stronghold Podcast, and we are out. Good night. Good night.